Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host. This is my podcast, and I have an incredible guest today. Her name is Jamie Lee. She's a comedian, a writer, an actress. Uh, she's on Crashing. She is one of the stars of Crashing. She's also a writer on the show. You've seen her on Girl Code, Last Comic Standing, just a million different things. And uh, she's here today, gabbing for two hours on my couch with me. And I was in heaven. Uh, the entire time. Uh, find both of us on Instagram, why don't you? You can find Jamie at really Jamie Lee. You can find me at Alexi Wasser on Instagram. As per the usual, I will tell you, I'm completely addicted to Insta-storying, Insta-storying, and DMing with strangers. I want to invite every single girl who's going to be in Los Angeles on June 2nd, Saturday, June 2nd, to my next Girls' Night In event I'm throwing. It's going to be 8 p.m. Los Angeles. It's a whole new thing. I'm doing it a whole new way. I'm mixing it up just to see how people feel. There's going to be beer, pizza, and a present for every single one of you girls who comes out. So DM me on Instagram at Alexi Wasser to get your ticket if you have any questions about it. Uh, I also think everybody out there, uh, male, female, whoever you are, whatever you identify as, if you want to send an email to the show, please do, because next week I want to dedicate the entire episode to reading all of your emails. So send emails to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, what else can I say? If you like this podcast, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment. I just read all of your comments. I hadn't been reading the comments for the past week and a half. And then I read them and I was like, oh my God, you guys, I can't believe you. So many people saying such nice things. And uh, you know what? If you have something bad to say, <sighs> fine, you can write that too. Uh, it doesn't make me feel great. I don't really know what you're trying to prove. Uh, I don't know why you want to make somebody feel bad. But for those of you who wrote nice things and uh, meant them, I really appreciate it. Anyway, if you'd also like to support this show and uh, make a pledge so you can keep the Love Alexi podcast alive and up and running and just know in your heart that you are responsible for keeping this show in the world. I would love that. I would just love that. And, and how do you do that? You do that by going to patreon.com forward slash Alexi and making a donation, a pledge for however much money you want. A dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. One time somebody did it for a hundred dollars. I couldn't believe it. I was like, no way. But way. And uh, but listen, if everybody listening donated a dollar, uh, that would uh, that would change everything. Anyway, now I sound desperate and like I'm begging you for money, which is uh, which is what I am doing. But I'm trying to ride the line and be like cool and graceful about it. Anyway, oh God, guys, earlier today, I was sexting. I was sexting up a storm. It was so cool. I couldn't believe it. I'm dating someone. I've been dating someone for about two months, just about two months. It's really none of your business. I'm not going to tell you what his name is. I'm not going to tell you uh, every detail. But if you must know, he's 6'4", totally handsome, treats me great. I can't believe it. It's as if Lacey Phillips, that episode where I had the manifestation advisor, Lacey Phillips, on my show, it's, it's as if she came on my show. I did all of her uh, her work, her emotional work, getting grounded in myself, raising my self-worth and whatnot, putting it out into the atmosphere, into the ether uh, of what I wanted in a romantic partner. And now I've found... I mean, we'll see how it goes, but it's feeling pretty good. I don't want to jinx it. I don't even want to believe in jinxes, but let me tell you, uh, there's more to him than just being a sexy 6'4 hunk who's brunette, 
who's tall, dark, and handsome. And possibly British, but like, whatever. How dare you? Anyway, he's kind. He treats me well. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's all very exciting. Can you feel that I'm beaming while I talk about this? Oh, my God. How irritating. Is this the most annoying thing you've ever heard on this podcast in your life? I hope not. And I'll definitely make sure to uh, be more irritating in the future uh, if that is the case. Anyway, but yeah, I was, uh, you know, he's out of town for a tiny bit and... Uh, that's when sexting comes into play. And uh, I always surprise myself at how dirty I can get sexting. All of a sudden words are like, you know, I'm texting words like cock. Oh my God, who am I? I never say that. I don't know if you've, if you've listened to the show before, you should know that uh, I use the term private to explain uh, like male genitalia and female genitalia. I don't like the word vagina, but I will say that too. But all these words are horrible. And when I use the word private... It's always like a private joke with myself uh, where I'm like imagining I'm on like special victims unit, like Law and Order SVU, and I'm like a guest star, like an eight-year-old guest star being asked to point uh, to a photograph of a nude person uh, and like they're like, where did he touch you? And she's like, right here on my private, like to explain getting you know molested or whatever. Anyway, but you know, I don't know why I use these words. I wasn't even molested. I mean, I really don't think I, I was because I'm doing all this like hypnotherapy work, looking deep into my subconscious. That's all that Lacey Phillips work entails. And uh, you know, none of that popped up. So, and yet I use this word private, but not when I'm sexting. Not when I'm goddamn sexting. I was using words like throbbing, uh, throbbing, swollen. Oh God. I didn't use the word pussy, but because I thought like, ugh. Because one time I heard a guy say like that he didn't like the word pussy, and I was like, yeah, me neither. Even though I really don't care one way or the other. I mean, it's fine. I think it's sexier than vagina. Um, what, what are you supposed to say? Wound? Wound? <laughs> so dumb. Gash? Oh my god. Anyway, so I'm like, yeah, cock, throbbing, hot, pussy. Uh, you know, like, ugh. Just like, uh. <laughs> but then, but then I think I'm all cool. I'm like, yeah, he must be like loving this. Like, you know, he must think I'm like so fucking hot. Like, send him all these dirty texts. Like, but what if he's getting them and they're like the most verbose, overly written uh, sex he's ever received? And uh, and I'm like, you know, over here in Los Angeles, sitting sitting on my couch, just being like, yeah, I am nailing this, nailing these. <laughs> Anyway, um, but yeah, that was very exciting earlier today because I actually turned myself on while I was sexting. Like my boobs actually did, I would say tits if I were if I were texting. But between you and me, let's keep let's keep. Oh my god, I'm stuttering and drooling. Let's keep it platonic, okay? My boobs were throbbing. They were like throbbing. I was like texting, turning myself on. Boobs were throbbing, uh, aching, swollen. Uh, I'm like. You know, I'm like texting while I'm waiting for a lift and then I get into my lift and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so turned on right now. This is problematic for the lift driver. And like, I even got into a lift line. Yeah, I took a lift line. Fuck you. How dare you? Okay. I'm like a smart woman trying to save her money um, and just be smart about it. But, uh, but also I would never let a date take me out in a lift line. That's a non-negotiable. That would be, that would be a clitoral hard off. Um, but I got into this lift line earlier today and I was like, oh my God, can everybody in the car just feel my sexuality, my sensuality? Do they know what's happening just beneath 
the surface. <laughs> um, so yeah, what an exciting day. I mean, last week, the intro of my podcast, I was moody. I was not feeling good. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Today, I'm just flourishing, loving life. Um, what more do I need to say? Um, you know about Girls Night In. You know that we should totally be friends on Instagram. You know how great I am at sexting. Oh, and I binge watched Broad City. Why didn't anybody remind me that there's a whole season of Broad City, season four, that I did not get into and explore from 2017? I was shocked and really disappointed in myself, I'll have you know. So I fucking, in the last few days, I uh, I binge watched every single episode. So great. I enjoyed it. And uh, and I think you will too if you uh, if you also forgot that there is a season four that exists of Broad City that you've yet to watch. Um, oh, and final story before I throw us over to maybe one of the best episodes of my podcast in my entire life. Um, I hung out with my family and my mom, I was with my mom and uh, oh God, I don't even want to say what family member said this. It wasn't my mom, but I was sitting around with my extended family and there's a woman in my family older than me. And we're all talking about growing up and life experiences. And this family member of mine shares the story. And she tells me, she tells the table, and I this is great. She's like, she's she was like, when I was 19 years old, when she was 19 years old, she was like living in Laurel Canyon. She'd like run away from home, was living in Laurel Canyon, and she was living with this guy who ran a company. Where it was like sexy girls singing telegrams or something, and she did, she wasn't one of the singing telegram girls, but she like drove the car to drive the girls to their like their destination where they had to sing a telegram, and she would like collect the money and all this stuff, and uh, oh, so she was driving one of these girls, and one of these girls uh, confided in her and was like, hey, by the way, like you know, I have this other job, this side job. We're like, I'm a, I'm a prostitute. And and, uh, and the woman in my family was like, really? Whoa, wow, what's that like? That's crazy. Anyway, so this woman in my family thinks nothing of it, goes and lives her life. She's doing a play in Hollywood. It's like opening night of the play, and she gets a phone call from the singing telegram prostitute girl, and the girl's like, hey, another prostitute, another prostitute girlfriend of mine dropped out tonight, and I've got to go on a double date with these like billionaire dudes. Will you come? So my family member goes, uh, okay, like it's opening night of the play. I'll meet you after the play. So she goes and it's like, and she, she's at this dinner with all these like, you know, I, I probably at the time millionaires, uh, millionaire men. And her date is actually like really handsome. Like, you know, like it's kind of like a pretty woman story. Like think Richard Gere, like he's hot. And she's not used to, you know, she didn't know what to wear. She had to get her friend to dress her all up and like something fancy and heels and she's with this like handsome guy um, on a date with this guy. And she's making jokes at the table, just trying to be like silly and charming and just cracking jokes left and right, probably because she's uncomfortable, but also she's very funny. And then the guy at the head of the table who was with his own prostitute, who's really ugly and gross and greasy and sweaty and overweight, uh, probably pockmarked. I imagine him being pockmarked. He was like, you, who are you? I want, I want that one. And he points to my family member. And she was like thinking to herself, oh my God, no, no, I got the, I got the attractive guy. 
I got the attractive guy. I've never done this in my life. I don't belong here. What the fuck have I got myself into? And now I've made so many jokes and uh, have called attention to myself that the ugly, more powerful, richer, gross guy wants me to be his prostitute. So it turns out, thankfully, the guy that she was with, like, whispered and went, don't worry, like, you know, I got you. Don't worry. You, you, you don't have to go with him. Anyway, cut to later that night, my family member is in a hotel room with the handsome guy that she that she's working for that evening. Keep in mind, she's never done this in her entire life. This is her first experience as a prostitute. And uh, they make out, they have sex, it's wonderful, it's great sex, he's super handsome and she's so attracted to him. And then at the end of it, they're just like staring at each other and uh, I think, you know, he like paid her, he was waiting for her to leave and she's like, um, uh, is it it okay if I spend the night? Because she wanted to sleep over because she had a crush on him and he was like, well, that's very, you know, that's not the norm, but okay. And she totally spent the night and they cuddled and spooned and it was really romantic. And the next morning they woke up and had breakfast and she had a total crush on him. And, uh, and he was like, well, I'm going to go to New York. I'd, I'd love for you to go to New York with me. But she did not go to New York with him. She just couldn't do it. She was too scared. It was too much for her. You know, she, that was the last time she ever did anything like that. But I just thought that that was so sweet that she was so vulnerable and naive to this, you know, the prostitution process. And she had such a genuine crush on him that she asks to spend the night. And he was like, uh, okay, um, sure, I suppose. And it just sounded so romantic. I, I was like, oh my God, it could have been like, you, you were like Julia Roberts. He was your Richard Gere. This could have been the beginning of everything. But, you know, that is not what happened. And it's probably for the best, but who knows? Um, but yeah. Anyway, that's my long spiel about that story. Because I, I remember years ago, I was in a situation where I needed money. I needed extra money. and uh, And I was... I had run into an ex-boyfriend, a very serious ex-boyfriend of mine. Uh, you know, we had dated for many, many, many years. We had been madly in love, and uh, and we got to talking, and I was like, "Ugh, I need to, I need extra money. I need money really bad." And he was either now, how dare you judge me? He was either or him. He was either married or in a relationship or just getting out of a bad relationship that was crumbling. But he said to me, he was like, hey, I'll give you, I'll pay you, I'll pay you like a hooker if you have sex with me. Because our sex had been wonderful. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but uh, just imagine if my sexting is that cool, my real sex must be really cool too. Anyway, but, uh, and I was like, what? You're going to offer me money to be like a hooker, like a prostitute? And he was like, he was like, come on. We've had sex before. This would be great. It would be like, you know, I I was like, oh, how dare you? How insulting. And I thought about it and a few days went by and I texted him and I was like, um, like how much were you thinking? And he texted me back. You know, I see, I I called them bubbles. I saw the bubbles. What are they? Ellipses? What what are those things when you can see somebody's writing back to you on, uh, on, you know, they're texting you back. And he's like, 250 a pop. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? How dare you? I at least wanted to play the part of a high-priced, you know, highbrow call girl, not some fucking street trash. I had I had mine would be like 2500 a pop. 
And, uh, you know, he may have been married. That's not my type. That's not my style. I don't fuck around with married men, uh, whether I've known them forever and dated them before and whatever. But uh, I was like, this uh, this feels trouble. But more than anything, I was just insulted. Um, I could not believe it. So, yeah. And I'll tell you about the time somebody offered me money to uh, massage my feet when I was 21 another time. But, uh, yeah, just got on this kick of all these uh, real-life prostitution stories. It's reminding me of uh, that episode of Melrose Place, the original Melrose Place, when Sydney gets in, uh, gets involved in that uh, high-end call girl ring with a madam and everything. Just all sounded so glamorous. But so these are the stories that kind of remind me of that. I've been watching uh, Melrose Place recently as well. Anyway, you guys, listen. It's all been said. You know what to do. Please enjoy my conversation with the incredible, hilarious, inspiring, talented, uber successful, unbelievably driven. Did I mention she wrote a book? Uh, You'll hear. We talk all about it in the podcast. Comedian, actress, writer, and my friend, Jamie Lee. All right. I'm testing the sound. Sound sounds good. Okay. Oh, is your water? Get, okay. Get, get, get cozy. I'm so cozy. Oh my God. Ooh, I'm going to put my feet up. Put your feet up. I don't even care. Leave your cute shoes. Oh God, no, no, I just realized them. my shoes no, were off. Leave them on. No, I'm serious. I said, <laughs> Are I wa- you sure? I, wa- I want them on there. Okay. I didn't even realize. I was oh. like, oh no. Oh, I think the levels, I think, I don't even know how to set the levels because my producer's not here. Oh no. So I feel like we have to not scream too much, but fuck it, scream, do whatever you want. So we should, wait, you want to test them, you think? Oh, no, everything's fine. Okay. It's all good. Okay. I think we got real excited, but, um, okay. Oh, my God. Where do we begin? Where are you coming from? Oh, um, I just left the uh, crashing writer's room. You did? They let yeah. you go? Yeah, 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 yeah. I headed over, and um, yeah, I'm just, like, very thrilled to be here, by the way. You are? Yeah. How come? I... Don't lie I, to me. I am not lying. Okay. I love your podcast so much. You do? Yeah. And I feel like as a comedian, like, you know, we get asked to do podcasts, like, you know, a, a fair amount and they're always a great time. But like, it's rare that you're, you do an interview with one that like actually is like the one you listen to Are a you lot. Are lying to No, me? I love your podcast. How did this even happen? Tell um, me everything. The first? No, I think the first episode I listened to was the Lacey Phillips episode. You did? And it's because I went to uh, Joshua Tree for like a girl's weekend and um, Sarah Violet Bliss was there. Really? And oh, she you was, guys were friends? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we became friends sort of through that weekend. That was sort of the first time we yeah. got to hang out. And yeah, and she was like, oh, I did Alexi's podcast. And I was like, oh, I have to start listening to it. So I listened to her episode and I listened to Lacey Phillips episode. And then yeah. I just like have been sort of doing a catch up. So oh yeah, it's really lovely to well, be here. Thank you. Wait, have you done any Lacey Phillips work? A little bit. A li- like which one? Well, I did. I watched her. Um, I don't know what they're called. I guess I like have the... to make it a little further. Yeah, I don't sure, know why. sure. Sure. Sorry. This is, I've never. This is, you're this fine. Is where you're my guinea pig. You're my oh. second recording. And I think uh, because you're a comic, you use uh, the mic more. So you're Probably. more, you're more better with the, whatever. I get it real close to my face. And so uh, I'm gonna pull I, away. I try to also, but then I usually, I usually scream a ton. Anyway. Okay. So <laughs> you've, um, you're not screaming. It's just, I don't know how to do levels. No, no. Thing. You're doing a great job. I'm, I'm mastering. We'll, we'll find out. You're a host and a producer right oh, now. Oh, get it back to where you want it. Okay. okay. Anyway. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I like this. Good. It's okay. good to know. So, okay. So you, which one did you do? Oh, so I did, um, I did a couple of different, 
I'm trying to think. They were the like videos, like the the sort of basic like level one videos. You pay a fee and then you get like 11 videos or something. Wait, you got the expensive one. I did. I got Well, that. it's funny because I was like, oh, maybe I don't need to do that because I listened to her on your podcast. So yeah. I was like, oh, well... Maybe I like can just kind of skip over that and move on to the next step. But I was like, oh, I want to like make sure I actually understand what I'm doing. So I watched those. Yeah. And then I kind of started doing some manifestation exercises with the hypnosis. But um, I only did them for a little while because I felt like they took a long time, sort of. And which, which I, one? Reparent or like I think shadow? It was reparenting. I know I did all of them. I did reparent and shadow. And I was like, and then they're like, you got to do them again. You've got to like do one every single day. And I was like, that's oh where I God. fell off. I couldn't do it every day. I know. I can't do it every day. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I want to be that person and I just am not yeah. in a space right now where I have, it's really just a time issue. But you, but you seem like you're thriving, so it doesn't oh, even matter. Well, you know, honestly, it's funny, just doing a couple of those exercises, like I think I did um, a reparenting three days in a row, or yeah. maybe it wasn't reparenting. I don't know. It's the one where you like, she talks you into hypnosis and then you like go like run into people and then like come out of it. Like she's like, oh, you're on a mountain and you climb down into a hole and then like that's a lot you're of in them. a room. Okay, so that's all of them. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> that's one where like you're all sitting around a campfire and then you like push all your ex-boyfriends or whoever you're Ooh. dating into a fire and Ooh. I was like, great. Wow. <laughs> I was like, let's do it. Okay, Burn I definitely didn't do that one. I yeah. just like talked to people in my head. Yeah. Um, and like told them that they hurt me and like yeah. healed it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, anyways, but just doing a couple of them was still like very helpful. Yeah. I thought. Oh my God. How do we even meet? How did we meet? Yeah. I think we met initially through Girl Code. That was so crazy. That was such yeah. a crazy. That was years ago. I know. So long ago. So we'll set the stage for people who are listening. And I'm still hoping the levels are okay. Will you say say a few things? Yes. Hello. Uh, move it around. Get a one, two, three, four, five, Actually, six, yeah, seven, where, eight, where would you, nine, ten. Where would you normally walk Probably the around here. Yeah, you keep it where it's comfortable like it, like you were originally. Okay. Pretend I said nothing to you okay. about any of the levels. Okay. Keep talking. Should we start from the beginning? No. Okay. Um, we'll, be fine. we'll be fine. Okay. I'll, I'll prob- I'm, I'm like, I'll edit this out and then I'll just be It'll in just there. stay yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this course. is authentic. It's an authentic yeah, podcast. Yeah, no, no. We're getting the full experience. <laughs> um. So yeah, Girl Code. How many years ago was that? God, I don't know. I think I met you maybe four years ago and we were both in New York. Yeah. And I remember talking to you and thinking you were delightful oh. and we talked about your Boyfriend? Yeah, I don't want to mention names. No, I don't care. His name was Jeremiah. Yeah, it was the guy who was in the band. Yes. Am I allowed to say that? Yes. Okay. Yes, and I remember distinctly talking about it because I was a fan of the band. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think he was like in New York or visiting, or maybe he was be later or something. Yeah. yeah. And I remember we talked about that. I and probably, I, just I was like, probably so proud of it. I was probably like, he's in this band, like a dick or something. You were not a dick about it okay, at all. Okay, good. No, actually, you were very like grounded, like pros and cons about the whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember it very distinctly. Jesus. You were very clear headed about it. Oh, my God. Sometimes I can't see myself because I'm just like living my life. I'll, but, see, uh, I'll see you tell for me. you. Okay, so we're in the makeup chair and. Yeah, you were in the room. makeup chair and maybe it was like between. Maybe it was between episodes. We were both kind of. We had a little bit of downtime and we just like got to chat. And then I think you were still, you were living in LA though, I yeah, think, because I, I was still living in New York. Yeah. I had flown and, in. I met Annie Letterman for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that. Or maybe that was the second time. Or the first, I don't know. But yeah. I um, love her. But I got fully cut out of the show. It was, you did? I fully did. I didn't know that. I like never watched them. You did? No. Are you serious? 
I was like, wow, girl. Like they like, you know, my agent was like, put yourself on tape. And I did the thing and I was like, oh yeah. Like, and then I, when I got the job, I like, I shot like, I don't know how many, like seven or it's a lot. Whatever. And then they're like, we just couldn't figure out how to edit you together. <laughs> I was like, I was are like, you kidding? <laughs> and that's the, shit like that has happened to me so many times where I'm just like, what? Say it ain't so. I can't. Wait, what? It's also, that's just like such a perfect example of how, how everything is nothing. Oh God. I really, but in almost, in almost a calming kind of meditative, like don't, don't cling to anything too hard kind of way. Don't let anything matter to you too much. Exactly. Even relationships too, do you think? Um, probably, but a little, but maybe I feel like there's a little more control there. Yeah. Um, where's the control? But I feel like the, yeah, I feel like there's very, little control with um with opportunities in career which is why it's really nice to be able to like make your own opportunities yeah but tell me i want to know your whole life story because i was like uh, reading all about you and i was doing all this research and all this stuff i want I'm i feel serious. so bad that my no, shoes are I so want, cl- okay you, I, you have to trust I'm t- what i'm, I'm tempted to go cross-legged like you, you are i love it well i'm okay. like i've got some weird legs that shape happening but uh <laughs> i love your feet your shoes being on the thing i'm not kidding if okay I if i didn't want that happening i wouldn't you would i wouldn't i would tell you okay great great um, great great all right, born in Texas, living <laughs> your life back. We are going way back. Um, wait, but like to set the stage now. Yeah. So you you were on Crashing, yes, and uh, Crashing HBO, incredible, uh, starring Pete Holmes. You you were a writer the first season, yeah, and then. I was, was a writer of both seasons, you're, actually. Isn't the, you're on season two or three now. Uh, we're we're about to go into production on season three. On season three, yeah. So how did that all happen? And then we'll then we'll go back in time. Sure. To- um, yeah, it was pretty kooky. I so first season, I knew like I've always wanted to. Um, I've always wanted to act, and I've and performing's always been really exciting. Obviously, I've enjoyed performing stand-up that's kind of like my maybe not obviously but I don't know I just mean like that's sort of like my backstory is like I started this whole crazy journey in stand-up yeah um but pretty soon after starting I realized like oh I do actually like acting and I I also like writing and so I was really thrilled just to have the opportunity to write on the show what was the disconnect real quick between stand-up and acting was it more like one was more scary because it was more vulnerable and it mattered to you more I think that I think stand-up always, again, it's like control. I feel like stand-up was always something I could control. Like I can control getting up on stage. I can control what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think I really clung to that. And acting just felt like you're waiting for someone else to give you an opportunity. And that always just seemed really daunting. Uh, Yeah. So anyways, when I started writing on Crashing, it just kind of really hit me that like acting was a priority and what did that mean? And what, what did that mean in terms of just like recalibrating my brain to be able to handle that that's a goal because that's a really scary goal to have? It was just an internal shift or did somebody say something to you at Crashing or, or and how did Crashing come to be? The writer, well, you just submitted a packet or you knew Pete or? Yeah, I, well, uh, yeah, Pete and I had actually worked, I had worked on his talk show several years before. So that's how I knew Pete. Um, and also we've been friends for a long time, just like through the stand-up scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that I knew I wanted to be acting just because I started going out on more auditions around the same time. And um, also just living in LA, there's a real osmosis of like, oh, we start to meet people who are acting. It becomes more real and it yeah. becomes more, it seems more tangible than it does maybe when you're living in New York. At least for me, it did. Yeah. Um, so then when I started writing on it, I just kind of had this 
yeah, I just kind of had this feeling of like, I really want to be on this show. And I, this is a real, maybe a potential manifestation thing. I really was like envisioning myself on the show, not in a way of like, this is going to get me on the show, but just in a way of like, I can't stop thinking about how I want to be on the show. So I was just like putting that out there in my own head. Were you saying anything to anybody? Were you like terrified to say anything? I think I said something to my husband, but I did not... Yeah, I was really keeping it to myself. And also, again, it is an issue of like, I can't force myself into the show. Like, that's just not how it works. So, um, yeah, so I was like content being a writer. And then season two, I heard that there was this role coming up that sounded really great. It was like a really strong, empowered girl stand-up. And I was like, well, obviously I am a girl and I am a stand-up. So I was like, that would be a really awesome part. Um, But I was told pretty early on, like, uh, they didn't really think that I was like the right type. And yeah. Who are these people? Who said I mean, producers and powers that be. I was like, yeah. So I kind of had to put it out of my head. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, you're not even going to get to audition. Oh my God. And so I went into writing season two being like, okay, well, like, let's see what other cool girl roles I can maybe potentially write in and maybe I can audition for that. And so then when months and months went by, um, I, I, they started doing casting for the role of Allie and they were like, okay, well you can audition. Like we've decided you can audition. And I was like, oh, okay. And I really had no attachment to that part anymore because I had put it out of my head for so long that it just wasn't mine. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I was like, I mean, I'll go in for you guys but I don't think it's going to lead to anything. And was so that I, terrifying though? Because like, you had to go in front of everybody. Yeah, I went, in, I went in for everyone. Ugh. It was strangely not terrifying. Really? Because I had, I felt like I had nothing to lose. Like I had already lost it. Yeah. So at this point, like my expectations were just so low that I think it was the reason I had a great audition because unlike other auditions where you're kind of building it up in your head, like yeah. this could be it, you this know, could change everything. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't have this. They already told me they don't think I'm right for it. So it was like a very good chance that they were going to see me and be like, Oh yeah, we were right the first time. Um, so yeah, then I went in and felt really great about it and then put it out of my head. Did and you read with Pete. People want the details. Yeah. I read with Pete. Yeah. Um, so the people in the room, uh, it was Pete, and then um, there was like a long table against the back wall. And that was like the casting director, Gail Keller. She's amazing. Oh, Gail Keller. Yeah. She's great. What she's she, so great. did she do Search Party also? Yes. Oh, she's She's fantastic. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. She's really, really great. And she really puts you at ease. And that's just so rare to feel comfortable yeah. in an audition with anybody. She it's did just, Louie also, right? Yes. Yeah. Are we not allowed to say that? Okay. I mean, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. <laughs> no, I went in, I auditioned for Louie and it was one of the most fun auditions I've had. Oh, really? Yeah, it was what a part? Re- really tiny part. I don't even remember. I yeah. think it was a waitress or something, but she was like, improvise. Like, oh, do you really? feel good about it? If not, let's take it again. Like what she made fuck? me feel like there was no one behind me in line. Yeah. We were just like there to get the best possible take. Oh, and my yeah, God. it was really great. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, she was there. And then the other two producers were there. Um, our showrunner, Judah Miller and, um, another producer, Oren Brimmer. And yeah. And they were just like, go for it. Like it was two scenes. One was kind of like a walk and talk. And the second one was really dramatic. Yeah. And, uh, I remember for the first scene, (laughs) for the first scene, I did it and it felt really great. It was like very natural and easy. And then I got a direction to like, 
I can't remember what the direction was. It was like, play it as a character. Like, play it. It was like really crazy. It was like, play it like a, I wish I could remember. It was like, maybe like, play it like ditzier or something that was like a big shift that I was not expecting. Yeah. And I was so anxious after the audition, like, please don't use that take. Like, Ah. that's not me. That's not the character. And I found out they later, like, they didn't even end up using it. Oh, they didn't? No, they like asked for it and then realized like, this is not, this is not what we want. Sometimes it'll be directed in an audition or a callback or whatever in such a bizarre way that'll like, just, yeah, completely confuse you. Right. So unhelpful. And you're like, Wait, what? Or even before you begin, I feel like sometimes they'll tell you to do something and you're like, just let me do what I prepared. Right. And then maybe I'll hit it. Yeah. I think it's one thing to be like, hey, um, maybe like if it's a scene where you have to get really emotional, I understand being like, let's pull it back a little. Yeah. Or like, let's dial it up a little. I understand all of that. But when they're like, do it with a kooky accent and put this hat on. You're you're like, like, I can do this. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, how do you balance the two of writing and acting? Well, once I found out I had the part, I wasn't really writing anymore just because um, we went into production right after that. So it was kind of crazy. I was in New York for a month. I auditioned in New York. And um, when I found out I got it, I had to like fly back to LA, get my dog. I had to find an apartment because I was there like the whole summer. So yeah, it it kind of like turned my life upside down a little bit. You live in LA now. I do. You do. And I still, I did. When I was there, I was just there for the month writing. Oh, you write there. Uh, Yeah. Sorry. It's really confusing. We write mostly in LA and then one month before we go into production, there's a pre-production month. So we finish up writing in New York. So I was there for writing. I was planning on returning home after that month. And then I found out I got it. And so I came home packed up all my stuff and moved back to New York oh my God. for the whole summer. And then the same thing is happening now, right? And the same thing is happening now. Yeah. How does your husband feel all about this? He's You're married to a comedian. I am. Yeah. His name is Dan Black. His name's Dan Black. How yeah. Is, and how is it dating another comedian? Is it ever competitive or bizarre? Or, yeah. Or just I, wonderful It's definitely bizarre. Okay. It's definitely bizarre. It also is... Um, it's also pretty natural, I would say, because you kind of have like an unspoken understanding of each other. Yeah. Um, and also when we first met, we were long distance. So I feel like when I have to go away for a while or if he if he goes away, we don't have like insane separation anxiety. Yeah. Are you not codependent? I might be in other ways, but okay. I feel like as far as like going away for work, I'm usually okay. Yeah. I don't... I don't um, like I don't get too like anxious or sad, but that's also probably like, you know, we're working and trying to like focus on work and not yeah. like, you know, I don't really have like time to be home that much anyway. Um, how did you guys meet? We met, um, we, it's actually, I don't know why I delayed. I know exactly who we met. We met on a podcast. <laughs> yep. Oh my god! I'm like something weird could happen today. I think exciting. We could fall. <laughs> we could fall in love. Anything's happening. Possible. It Wait, is happening on his podcast. No, we met on a podcast that's actually not around anymore. And it served its purpose. It served its purpose. Yeah. Um, How long ago did you guys? This meet? was in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we've been together eight years now. Yeah. Eight years. Yeah, we met. So it's kind of funny. I was on just like this. I was on in um like just having a regular conversation, but he came on in character. Oh no. So, yeah, and the character was like very zany and over the top. He played this sort of like meathead Long Island person named Giovanni Domingo. Giovanni and he was selling Domingo. a product called Protein Roids wait, in character. Wait, so you were talking to somebody else and then he pops on or it's his podcast? I, I, I know am, it wasn't his It podcast. was someone else's podcast. Podcast. Okay. I was on just as an interview. And he surprised And then you? he came in, he arrived late to the podcast and then just like walked into the room and picked up a microphone in character. I can't so the take first it. moment I met him, he was like not Dan Black. He yeah. was Giovanni Domingo. Did you think he was cute though? Or you're like, who's this did. babe who's irritating me? I thought he was so funny. Yeah. I just like couldn't get over how funny he was. I kept having to like move the microphone away from my face so I wasn't just laughing through the whole podcast. And how did he woo you? Um, Do you mind that I ask you? Oh, I love this. You don't have to answer anything. Oh, please. No. Um, He wooed me. I guess it was like very sweet. He, he would show up. Well, so we were both in LA for that podcast. I I didn't fly out to LA for the podcast, but I was, oh my God. Amazing. No, we were both living in New York, but we happened to be in Los Angeles. And so we, we talked and I was like, oh, well, I don't live here. I live in New York. And he's like, I live in New York. I'm like, oh, that's so weird that we've never met in New York. And then when we both were back in New York, he started coming to my stand-up shows. Was that scary at all? I'd always be, if I would be so scared. To have like someone you like. Yeah. Yeah. Come to a show. He seemed so encouraging. And like. But did you get nervous at first being like, oh my God, what if he doesn't like me? Or what if I don't do well? Or. I didn't, you know, that's interesting. I didn't feel that way with him, but I think I would have felt that way with other people. uh, Had you felt that way with other people before? Mm, No, because I don't think anyone that I was dating ever came to a stand-up show. It was just a first... I always kept it kind of separate. Oh, that's smart. But then when he came, he seemed so excited. And like, also, I think I... I had confidence in my ability and also he wasn't a stand-up. He was more of like the improv world. So I don't think it felt like he was judging me from like the standpoint of another stand-up. And you had confidence in yourself. That's such a pivotal, I guess I important did. thing. That's great. I had confidence in my ability. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Good. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's seen me that. perform so many times. Yeah. That it's, yeah, it's crazy. He's seen like the same joke so many times. I'm like, how do you watch me and not want to throw up he at this point? He loves you. He loves you. It's pretty cute. So wait, how did, okay, so he wooed you how? He wooed me. I, you know, I don't know if there was like a full on wooing. Okay. We just kind of, we were like, you know, you're in your 20s and like, I don't know. We were just kind of like, he would come to my shows and then I would sometimes go to his shows. And then like, there was just this two week period. I remember where he actually didn't have a house like he. So his apartment was being renovated. Um, it was something happened in his building and they had to like literally like kick them out before they could move back in. Yeah. And so he was staying on his friend's couch. And so when I met him, he was like, I don't I can't invite you back to my apartment because I don't have one for two weeks. Um, so we like hung out in his friend's living room in like a tiny New York apartment. Did you have a place though? That you could I did. In? I think we went back there one time, but like I was just like super broke and the apartment was disgusting oh and like it was just not a place I wanted to bring anyone back to, let alone myself. Yeah. This was eight years ago. Yeah. You two fell in love. Again, none of my business, but I'm going to ask you Please. this. I've done all the Lacey Phillips. And also I feel like oddly more comfortable in my, I mean, it makes sense, in my own home yeah. than I did in the studio I usually record in. 
This is interesting because I just did a podcast right before you came in here and I was like, I'm just sort of like uh, feeling the differences and it's, uh, I guess, being on my couch. Uh, it's cozy. It makes me feel cozier and more loose and open. Uh, like we're just two girls, Gabin, oh, SV and Bridie. Are you friends with Bridie? Yeah, I know Bridie, yeah. So they're supposed to come over and I was like, I have rosé and a carpet because I just got this carpet here. Oh, and so, it's uh, so pretty. They're coming over on Monday. So I'm all excited to drink rosé with them and like... That's so fun. Sit on the floor and just be girls. But, oh, that's uh, going to be the best. But uh, you can come too if you want. I no, would no love pressure. to. You're probably working. You're, we're thriving. You're doing all these things, but uh, you're always invited over oh to my, my house. Oh my God. Um, Thank you. So, oh, so but doing all these Lacey Phillips workshops, um, the partnership workshop that just came out in February on Valentine's Day, it tells you when you're dating that you're supposed to wait six to nine weeks before you have sex with the Mm. person. Did you wait? Because you're married. You've written a book about marriage. We'll get to that in a second. I just want, you know, I want to like mimic your life or inspire other people listening about, you know, uh, so this Lazy Phillips thing tells you to, to wait. Did you wait? None of my business. But if you did, do you think it helps? Um, I, I don't think I waited, I don't want to say I waited six weeks, but I did wait. Um, I would say I waited a month, a month. probably, but that also, That's we have to factor in that I also was in and out of town and Still I think a month. that that slowed it down. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, periods, traveling, whatever, periods not periods traveling. of time, I'm actually like physical, yeah. physical periods, physical periods, traveling, it all helps, you the, know, there was definitely like, like, you know, Slow. a beach here and there. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, sure. You gotta, do gotta fill the time. We're only human. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um. But yeah, I guess I did wait. You know what's really sad is I remember the first day, the day after we had sex for the first time, I had to go to LA and I remember being in the airport and just panicking because I hadn't heard from him. Uh And I was like, surely we're done because I gave him the thing and that's how it happens. And he's not going to call and we're done. And he's not going to text because we're done. (laughs) And I fully convinced myself. I went into a just full downward spiral. And um, I think right when I was at the peak of being like, well, that was fun while it lasted. I got a text from him at like 5 PM that was like, are you okay? How's the flight? You know? Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it was just kind of like a green light. I was like, oh, all right, game on. Like we're, this is happening. But isn't it interesting though? Like just the act of having sex and and you leaving, he didn't even leave you. You picked up, you had to leave for work or whatever you're doing. And it makes you spiral and yeah. internally implode. Like I don't know if you face any of that now because you're married and you're committed and you're good. Do you ever do you have butterflies and weirdness like that, that happens oh, now? But oh, I have, yes. I have a bigger point though. But yes. Yeah. Oh, I want to hear the bigger point. Well, but the answer is yes. You definitely. do still spin out just because you're married. Oh, mean you absolutely. Don't, with, uh, oh, with him? with him? No, not so much. We'll get to your emotional spirals. In a oh bit. yeah, emotional <laughs> spirals. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I totally want to hear. Right. About right. Those. Please. Oh my bring god. It on. We're just easing into the podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, but uh, but I. It's okay. So I'm trying to do this Lacey Phillips work and I did all the whatever and the deep imaginings or whatever. Um, and I know I'm trying, I'm dating someone and it's interesting because I'm trying to ride the line and I do want to ask you this about comedy where I don't want to talk about him too much and I'm mm. not describing him or where he's from or what he looks like or whatever on this podcast, but I also want to be very, talk about what's going on in my life and things like this come up when it seems right in the conversation, but it's like a I don't know what to do as, as far as respecting the person you're dating. But uh, so I've been dating him for about a month, have not had sex. 
I was going to wait six to nine weeks, six weeks. I thought it was only six weeks. Um, but he, at six weeks time, he's going to go out of town for three weeks. So I have made this personal decision going, oh my God, I was, I was fully going to have sex with him in six weeks. But now that I know that he's going to be leaving town, like if we were to have sex in six weeks, he would leave town the next day, be gone for three weeks. I would crumble. Yeah. I would. Die. So now I'm like, I'm, I'm not afraid he's going to get mad at me, but now I'm like, oh my God, like I have to tell him, like I'm going to wait even longer than I thought because I have to take care of myself emotionally. And I've never been like this before in my life, but just based on what you're saying and what it is to be a woman or a person when somebody enters us, if you're at whatever, it's so fucking emotional. And it's I, so emotional. And not having sex with this guy yet is all I have. Like it's it's the only protection and like like I have, even though he's a lovely person, but like it's protecting myself from going mental or going insane. That makes total sense. It's just so interesting. And I've never done it this way or like or like had so much self-worth. I'm willing, you know, I'm doing air quotes for self-worth, but it is a real thing. It's very important. But like, yeah. Where I'm like, oh wow, I've got to take care of myself. Right. Because I know myself enough to know how I will react. It's almost like do it sooner or wait till he's back. How like if dare I were, you try to pressure If me? I were in your position, okay, <laughs> well, first of all, before I give you that prescription, we're I would like the podcast. to know. We're ending the podcast. I'm going to go fuck him right now. Okay. <laughs> Get out of here. Get I'll out hold here. down. I'll hang out on your gorgeous rug. Thank you. You go have sex. It's from Report Target. back. I it's will. Really? It's from Target. I couldn't Whoa. believe it. It was like, yeah. Anyway, but, so what's your... What do well, you I, I just mean if I were in your position, I would probably... Yeah, I mean, again, it would just depend on your comfort levels, but I... I I guess what I'm saying is I 100% agree that having sex right before he leaves for a trip, that would definitely send me into some yeah. kind of spiral. At the six-week mark, he will be, like the day after the six-week mark, he will be leaving town. Is for, he going international? International. Oh, yeah, no. For three weeks. And it's too early to travel anyway. I'm not trying to like have a trip with him or like, or like hey, I'm going to tag along. <laughs> That's not going to happen. But yeah, so there's just like no getting around it. Anyway, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just curious. Where did Lacey get the six to nine week rule? Like what, what's her basis for that? I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. But I know I've talked about this with every girl I know who's, I feel like everybody I come into contact with now knows who Lacey Phillips is Amazing. and is doing like a workshop or something. And every girl will be like, she said six to nine weeks or no, no, it's like eight weeks or, or whatever. And I don't know, but I guess that's just the amount of time where you, you have a, an opportunity to get to know someone or something or who knows. But uh, I'm liking it because I know that the last, well, uh, not too long ago or in my life, I've dated people for six weeks, been like, I'm in love. We're boyfriend and girlfriend. We're having sex on the first or second date. And then at the six week mark, I'm like, this never needed to happen because I can't stand you because you're garbage. Oh, like I wish yes. we had never done this. So if I had just waited six weeks, uh, I never would have had sex with them. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's so tricky. I, that is, I, there are things that I really love about dating and there's so much newness and excitement and then the other side of the coin for me and maybe not and it sounds like also I'm with you're you in the Everything same boat is, yeah there is just a lot of there's guessing. a lot of just hectic guessing and second guessing and um yeah it it brings out this like it's like this odd primitive side of yourself that just it's like yeah, it's like the opposite of self-worth or any any work you've done on yourself to feel good and to feel whole and to feel independent and strong. Yeah. Somehow you just question all of it 
Yeah. When you when you're in a situation where you like someone and you don't feel like you have complete control of the situation because it's new. Yeah, there are all these little baby steps to go through where it's like, all right, we're seeing each other. Are you seeing anybody anybody else? Wait, are we committed? Are we? Yeah, that part's always so crazy too. Is like, what are the rules of like? I was always so bad at that. Like I always was like, oh, it's not that I am a serial monogamist. I just don't know the alternative. I don't know how to be like. Yeah, I'm seeing a couple of people. Like I always admired the ability to for people who could do that. I was like, just tell me how. How do you compartmentalize? How do you not feel like, you know, like you're in some kind of like game where you're, you know, trying not to get too close to one person and, you know, yeah. feeling satisfied and, and all of that. I just never, I was never able to navigate that. Well, it's interesting because the guy that I'm talking to now or I'm spending time with, uh, and we're not official boyfriend and girlfriend yet. And I'm actually like the logical part of me is like, uh, and I will throw it back to you. I promise. This is not. Oh no, I love like, talking about this. But uh, uh, I, the logical part of me is like relishing in the not knowing because you only have this time once. Like if it gets even more intimate and your boyfriend and girlfriend, or you get wherever it leads to marriage or whatever. The beginning is so magical, yeah. and I'm like, I'm like, let it unfold. This is exciting, and the not knowing, and the waiting, and the anticipating. It's exciting. It's a really healthy outlook. Yeah, I'm, well, that's when I'm healthy. Okay, so that's like that was like yesterday, and then today I'm like, wait, well, what the fuck is it? like? I'm like, you know, fighting the urge to like scroll and see th- every, you know, look at every girl he's following who's following him back on Instagram. Like I go, Oh yeah, I, I used to do that for sure. Yeah. yeah. So cause all this information is at your disposal and we're, and women are great detectives. Uh, I believe not, not to be gender or whatever, but like, uh, we're great detectives anyway. But, um, what is the point of any, Oh, but so the guy that I'm dating was making a case for, he said he's tried it where he's dated numerous people once. He said he didn't like it because you can't really get to know someone. And I was like, are you lying to me? Why are you saying all the right things? But he's like, you can't really get to know someone completely when you're balancing and juggling. And also when you're with one person, you've got somebody else in the back of your mind. And, right. And I was like, oh, wow, it's a wonderful point. I, 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 I would date like many people at once, but I think it was like a defense mechanism. So I always felt cool. Like I've got something in my back pocket. Like nobody's going to take me for a ride or get me too vulnerable, but really it's just exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and also I feel like, especially now it's like, maybe it's different when you're like in your early twenties, like yeah. your priorities are different, but also as you get older, like you have so much stuff that's important to you yeah. and that makes you feel good. Yes. It's not even like a routine. It's like, you just have like aspirations and like projects you care about yes. and like work is exciting. And you know, like you have things that make you feel whole without this person. So it's really like making sure that they're a good fit for the life you've already established. I could not agree more because also, yeah, I've writing I want to do, podcast interviews to take to have to to do. Anyway, um, oh Helen, I'm gonna take that back. I kinda wanna cut I love that. it. I love <laughs> it. No, please no. keep it. Okay, I'm giving it all in, but it's like yes. I have family, I have friends, I want to have wine and and girl talk with my girlfriends, record numerous podcasts, watch tons of movies, go to hot yoga, do Pilates, this and that, have dinners, make stuff. Yeah, there's so much stuff to do. The idea of dating more than one person, it's already hard enough to date one person and commit to one, to to getting to know one person, let alone like... Uh, making out with a bunch of boneheads. I'm very, like, that's eating up so much time. Not to mention, like, I've come this far without getting an STD. You know, it's just like, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's time consuming. It, 
I don't know. Yeah, it's almost like it's a it's a hobby in and of itself. It's, yeah. And you're like, do I need a new hobby? We don't. I just want a relationship that yeah. like fits into what I'm doing. Just want someone to be nice to me and yeah. have good sex and be able to talk and feel cozy and safe. Like I'm not dating some narcissist liar who's like, I don't know, up to no good. Yeah. But uh, when anyway. um, I saw Sarah, I saw Sarah Violet um, this past weekend, we were at a Seder together. Oh, you were? Yeah. Our, Wait, friend, our you- friend Heather Fink. Um, that went to film school with Sarah. Oh, and Charles, right? And Charles, yep. Um, Heather Fink made this really lovely sort of like anti-tradition Seder. It wasn't, I mean, we, we, whatever, we had the Seder played and there was a lot of tradition, but we also were talking about how like it's fun to put your own spin on these sort of older traditions. But um, it was just four girls at the Seder and it was really lovely. And Heather, who is... I believe half Dutch said, and I don't remember the the word, but there's a Dutch word that means social coziness. I love it. And I was like, oh, that's my new favorite phrase. phrase. Yes. Social coziness. That's it's, all I want in my life. It's all I've ever wanted. Social coziness. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. I know. I'm like, I could pull it up on the text, but that's fine. We're great. It's a Dutch word. I love that's it. what it means. Yeah. And it just really resonated with me. I wonder if it sounds like, because my family's German on my mom's side, and I learned the word cozy in German, and it's gemütlich. Okay, that I don't think that was it. I want to say it started with an H, but I really enjoyed your pronunciation just then. I've never felt so you said it. in all my life. You said it in this way that was very braggy. You were like, gemütlich. That, that is not even what I said. You like made eyes when you did it. Gearing myself up, I was like, I, I was loved like, doing the chutzpah. Okay. Yeah, you did. You really like put a spin <laughs> on it. <laughs> oh my god, you can see this. You did a whole uh, oh. neck uh, neck wiggle or whatever. Oh it's called. my god. But uh, yeah, social coziness is what I'm going for. I hope it's what we're all going for. And yeah, it's a good goal. Um, but God, I don't even know what my point was here. You know what I think? Six to nine weeks. Also, if a guy isn't willing to wait, good, get out of here. I know. I mean, I mean, if a guy is like. Even though I think it's quite a long time to wait for sex, but it's it like, does feel like a long time. But also, what, like, in what realm? Like, what? What is? Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like, on what timeline? Like, we're not really on a timeline. Well, it's really about ultimate comfort. I think I was telling one of my girlfriends who also done all this Lacey Phillips work. I was like, nine, six, six weeks. How do you break that down? All of a sudden, I was like, oh my god! And I don't know if you did this with your husband when you guys were dating. Did you go on day dates? Um, I feel like when we first started hanging out, it was so casual, but also I was playing cool girl for a while. Like I, I made my standards when we were first dating. I feel like I did the thing of like acting like I don't really, I don't care. I don't have standards. I don't have Ah! like particular needs for how dates should go. I was just being so chill. And then around like month three, I was like, all right, like we got to change this a little. Like our first date was so, if if I wrote down on paper, here's what we did for our first date, you would crumble it up and throw it on a fire. (laughs) It was so horrifying. Yeah. But also now it's like such a lovely memory because it was just so goofy. What was it? Well, basically we were hanging out for two full weeks. We would see each other after shows every single night. And then we kind of started like making out at bars and it was starting to get like sexy. Yeah. And then... At a certain point, I was like, 
I was leaving town, I was like, when I come back into town, like maybe we should like go on a real day. Cause I feel like we're doing a lot of hanging, but not a lot of like, Hey, let's make plans. Let's like, where are you going? Designate a time. I don't remember. I think I was traveling for standup, maybe going to Boston or something. I don't honestly don't Boston. remember. Keep going. So you're like, we should have a date. I was like, we should just do a proper date. And so he was like, okay, well let's go to dinner. Where do you want to go to dinner? And so I picked this restaurant I picked um, Momofuku Noodle Bar. Fancy. Which is like fancy, but also kind of cash and cool. It's in the East Village. I love that restaurant. Like, I think the food's so good. And I was like, surely he'll like this. It feels like just easy. It's noodles. Everyone likes noodles, right? So I picked this place and he was like, cool. I've never heard of it, but sounds great. We go there and we sit down. It took a while to get a table. We sit down and he looks at the menu and he was like so overwhelmed by the menu. He was... this is my first time realizing he was like very finicky about food. Now he eats everything. Was it was he, was it because of the prices or just the no? Menu? It wasn't price. It was just like he didn't know what anything meant. He he's like <laughs> he's from Long Island. He loves just like red sauce Italian food yeah. and like chicken fingers. And oh, he, he's Italian. He's not. He's Jewish, but he feels Italian. Close enough. Yeah, I have a joke <laughs> where I'm like he's he's Jewish, but he feels Italian. I call him Giuseppe. Um, but he he was just looking at the menu and he was like so over. Well, and I was really stressed because I was like, oh, I didn't want this restaurant to like cause you anxiety. I thought it was like, I don't know. You told me to pick a place. Yeah. I did like he should have picked it. Yeah. And it's also like most people would have been like, OK, I, I'm not like great with this food, but like whatever. I'm like going on a date with this girl for the first time. Like you kind of just like suck it up and deal. Yeah. And he like couldn't deal. No. Yeah. And so he was like a nightmare during uh-huh. dinner. And then at, then no, wait, that gets even worse. He uh, looks at his watch oh no. at one point during dinner. And I was like, cool. Do you have to like be somewhere? Or, yeah. And he was like, ah, this um. MMA fight starts at 930. So I just like have to, I have to like leave kind of soon. And I was like, what? Oh my God. It's a miracle. You guys got married. I know. I was like, wait, what? And then he was like, do you want to come with me to like watch this fight? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I went. Wow. And then like, again, after a couple of months of like, just kind of being, I mean, granted a lot of nights I was doing stand up and like I had my own thing going on. So I think that helped me balance out some of these feelings of like being super amenable to like everything he wanted to do. I felt like, oh, but I do assert my independence over my career and stuff. But like I was definitely being like a little bit of a sidekick for a while. And then I started to reveal my true self. Over time, and I was like, I can't do that. Like, and that was like three months in? That was three months in. And who is this true self? What is this true I self? I mean, it, to be fair, that, that date was comically bad. Then the second date was like much more normal. Yeah. But I think it was just like, I don't know. He would invite me... like he would um, be really into playing like card games with his friends and he'd be like, yeah, like come meet up when we're like, when the game is ending and we'll hang out. And I was, I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to do that. I'll just like see you a different night. Yeah. And like, I started plan. Yeah, exactly. And I, I had that argument pretty early on where I was like, I remember one time we were G chatting, um, on Friday night at like 6 p.m. And I was like, he hasn't asked me to do anything yet. And oh. I was like, what is happening? I know he wants to hang out. This makes Just me say feel spir- the words. Yeah, this makes me feel anxiety ridden. I know. And I women felt need so much anxiety. Yeah. And then finally, a lot of my anxiety though came from not communicating. Yeah. And so finally, when I was like, hey, that doesn't work for me, he was like, oh, okay. Like he was so, I hate to, uh, whatever. Gender um, stereotype. Gender stereotype. Who the boys cares? are dumb. Let's do but it. My husband was like so 
so clueless. A lot of them are. Most like, of them are. Clueless. Yeah. And, and he was then, like 20 something, right? Yeah. yeah. And also like, not like I knew what I was doing really either, but it was sort of those early lessons of being like, assert yourself, say what works for you. Like if someone breaks up with you because they don't like that you expressed how you feel, it was definitely not meant to be. Oh, that's such a good point. It just wasn't like how could that pretend, how could that possibly how could that possibly ruin a relationship to just say how you feel? Yeah, you're not being critical. I you're so. you're framing it in a way that's like, hey, this I'm just letting you know plans really. <laughs> I like plans. That is a good point. That can be extended to anything you need to communicate because I know that like. You could either get gamey and weird or mean because you're not getting what you want. You right. Like, you hold it in and then it comes it out in weird ways. Yeah. Or even if like, you know, anything you're experiencing, like let's say you're having, you don't know if the other person is dating another person and instead of being like hostile or upset, always to come at it with a, with a this is how I'm feeling. Like, I'm, you know, I don't know how this is going to sit with you, but I just have to be honest. This is what I'm feeling. It's always such a better way because I come from the, the school of like, getting angry and mean and passive aggressive or like punishing someone when they haven't even really done anything wrong. They just didn't know or yeah, they just don't know. I've done that before. Yeah. And I think that's like the sexy, cool way to handle it. But really it's like, it's fucked. Would you want somebody to punish you if you were just like only had good intentions? Probably not. Yeah. Um, Also, yeah, I think that it's very easy. Yeah. It's very easy to assume that people know how you feel. And I think that most people don't know how you feel. They're not mind readers. Yes. Like they're not even signal readers. They're not even like vibe readers. They just are, everyone is so self, everyone is so, uh, I wanted to say self-absorbed, but I mean that, that fits. Everyone is so maybe not self-absorbed, but, but self-contained and you know, they just have thoughts coursing through their heads all day yeah. long. Like you, you stop and realize like if everyone is the way I am, which is just like kind of, you know, anxious and just trying to like get through the day and, and not feel consumed by thoughts and spiraling and all that stuff. Yeah. If everyone's kind of going through some version of that in their own right, well, how could they possibly even have the time to know how, yeah. how I feel? Yeah. Or how could you possibly, unless they say something or unless you say something? Oh, God. Yeah. Well, in the slowing down process of dating, I had I was talking to one of my girlfriends and uh, I was like, how am I going to wait six weeks? How does this work? Because I'm usually moving real fast. And I had to write it down in like a notebook. I just wrote two dates a week, six weeks, 12 dates, start with coffee. Oh, Ooh. wow. That's what a day date is for. I used to be like day dates, like like a vampire being like, why would I want to do that? That's not sexy. Let's get a drink or let's have dinner or something. But I'm like, God, if alcohol is involved, I'm more likely to make out or have sex. So I was like, coffee, then another day museum during the day, then another time. Ooh, I love this. that. Like, uh, you know, so I just make, made all these like potential like activities to do. I had a whole list ready to go. And then I would kind of like by accident, not really on purpose, mention other things that sounded neat to do while on a date, while on the date with this guy. But he would hear me. I would say it so quickly and in passing, like, oh, I've never been to this place before. And then he would have it all ready to go. He'd be like, oh, you mentioned this place and blah, blah. If you want to go, like, so, and then he would lock down the next date either on the date or... Anyway, now it just sounds like I'm, I'm, I guess I'm excited about the person I'm dating. I don't Aww, mean to sound braggy, but whatever. No, anyway. it's so exciting. But, uh, so wait, you planned all of that out. You planned out. And for me, for me to know 
how to go about just so I could see it and like you know in my and like in my for my subconscious to be like two dates a week. Here's how you stay out of the bedroom. And even Lacey Phillips was like, on in her in her workshop, she's like, try not to go to either of the other person's house after the date because you just got to reel it in. So I didn't kiss on the first date. I said I have to move slow. I was like, hey, I don't know if you're trying to kiss me, but I just have to move slow. He was like, okay. Anyway, what were you gonna say? I apologize. Oh no, that that was it. I I just am very impressed. I'm just trying it a whole. I've never done any of this my entire life. This is all new, so I'm just putting it out there. But it sounds like it's working. Sounds like it's. I know. Yeah, I also think it's just nice to kind of have even like a skeletal plan laid out for your yeah, own sanity. Just, just, just being like, I have this thing I'm sticking to. It's almost like a emotional diet. Yeah. Like I've, I, but I've never been this person of like, you know, take your time. Don't give it, give it away. But it's, you know, but now I'm like, oh wow. It's so nice to get to know a person. Like on Easter, we went to church. Ooh. I'm not, I never go to church. I'm not religious, whatever, whatever that means. But I was like, what's an Easter mass like? So like these activities, I can just like wander around the city and like see if I like talking to this person. Yeah. Because you hope you do. So it's so interesting. But Am I allowed to ask how you guys met? Um, how do we meet? We met, I had ne- okay, I'm a snob usually and I usually, I'm, I'm on Raya mm-hmm. or I was or I am or whatever. I don't know. Um, but... Uh, I went on a Tinder date with this guy. Okay. I've taught as my first and only Tinder date I've ever been on. I can't, I have to take back all the shit I've ever spoken about Tinder, but I became really discerning. And I was like, I'm only going to swipe on people, whatever, which way you swipe when you like a person. I'm only going to swipe, right? That's like a Lacey Phillips thing. Like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so Which is just such a great guiding principle yeah. in life. I was like, I have to be attracted to this person. I'm, st- I'm sick of dating like freaky, ugly monsters who I think are neat or I'm dating for them for the wrong reason. I mean, I just was like, I want to be able to have sex with this person. I'm, I'm looking for a love. That means I'm looking for somebody to have sex with. I have to be attracted to them. Like men do this with women. I'm going to do it too. Yeah. It makes total sense. It makes total sense. Yeah. So I found this striking, handsome, tall man and, uh, you know, and then he just, he's been doing everything right so far and I hope he doesn't fuck it up. And I think he hopes he doesn't fuck it up either. So anyway, Aww, that's great. But I take back everything I've ever said about Tinder because, uh, it's there for however you want to use it. You know? Yeah. I um, think all the, all the apps probably have their, their merits. And I'm totally old fashioned. I, you know, I had like Wendy Cummings on the podcast. She was talking about, Oh God, these ridiculous books. And I now I'm reading all of them. They have the worst titles, ridiculous titles, like Getting to I Do. Mm. Have you read this book? I have not. You got there. You don't even need it. <laughs> but uh, but it's about like feminine and masculine energy and just knowing what works for you. Like, so when you came into the point of your relationship where you went, you know what? This doesn't work for me. This is what I really want for myself. Like, that's what it's about. It's about being the kind of person who are you, do you want to, uh, lead, run the show and be in your masculine energy because men and women, we men have masculine and feminine energy as well. Yeah, but it's like, and in your career, like you have an amazing career, you're flourishing, you're doing all these things. That's one thing, but in your romantic relationship, that's separate, and it doesn't have to be run the same way as you run your career. Right, and you have to know what you want, and then there's a way to, you know, anyway, whatever. But uh, so I'm reading like how to get the love you want whatever and uh getting to i do and all these books and some of them are very sexist but 
I, I know a lot of those books are so sexist so and you're sexist. like, okay, I'll just kind of ignore that. I'm like, but I'm like, I know who I am. I'm a feminist. I'm living my life, but uh, I'll, you know, take the good stuff. And uh, they're like magical secret weapons. And there you go. But throwing it back to you. <laughs> We're on girl code. Okay, we're doing girl code. Hilarious. I love how I'm like, girl code. And you're like, I wasn't on it. I'm like, great. No, but I, I was and I had a blast and it was so fun. And I love being in New York. But, uh, but who cares? Whatever. There's a really cute guy on that show oh. who is in the female brain. Oh, Andrew Schultz? What a babe. Oh, yeah, he is a babe. And what? he's also delightful. Is he a nice person? Yes. We did a bunch of shows together, um, stand-up shows. And he, yeah, he's just... Isn't He's com- really like a great dude. Is his comedy kind of misogynist or I've heard no. people say that. I don't think so. I feel like he is a very, he's like a woke bro. He's a woke bro. Yeah. He's like very open. <laughs> I and, say awoken. Yes. I say he's an awoken bro. He's an awoken bro. Yeah. For sure. Oh yeah. my God. I have to have him on the podcast. When oh yeah. He'd be LA. great. Um, oh yeah. I need to get the male perspective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's very tall and handsome and he kind of looks like he's like a nineties movie star. Yes, and he's also like a great actor. Oh, he is yeah, a great I saw, actor. He did an audition tape for Crashing. Oh no, he did a table read for Crashing, and he played a part that ended up getting cut. But oh my god, he just—you know—when they were like, "Make it your own," I'm like, he took it to a whole new level. Like, why did he get cut? I think the whole too scene good. got cut. It oh, was a scene with these two characters, and the two both characters got cut. We just didn't have time for it. But he was Damn so it. funny. You yeah, gotta make time for Andrew Schultz. Yeah, Andrew Schultz. Schultz. Schultz with the T. Oh yeah. my God, the most I've ever talked about. Oh, in actually, my I don't know life. if it has a T. I Schultz? think it's just Schultz. Schultz. Got to get him on the podcast I to say find Schultz. out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've been pronouncing my friend's name wrong. Hey, Andrew, you tell us. <laughs> oh anyway, my God. Um, oh man. Okay. So wait, and then Girl Code ended, or it's still going, or what's happening with I Girl think Code? It, I think Girl Code ended. I think maybe it moved over to Snapchat or something. What? But I, yeah, I'm, I haven't been a part of it for a long time. For a long time. And then how did you transition? Like, what made you? Like what was happening? Because you were you were on just wait, hold on. You were on last comic standing. Yeah, I was on last comic standing, um, like maybe three years into doing stand up and I made it to the semifinals. That was like that was just a really exciting personal milestone, mostly because I had just gone through a really terrible breakup. You did? Yeah, like horrible, like completely blindsided, did not see it coming. And I found out like two weeks later that I got last comic standing. And at the time, I mean, I just had nothing going on professionally, personally. I was just like at a complete rock bottom and it really lifted me up. How long was this relationship for? Um, Like a year. It was a year. It just came out of nowhere. The break came out of nowhere. I really was like, we're good. Yeah. And we were not good. And it was really, really a shock to the system. And it was also in the middle of the winter in New York, which oh, just no. makes everything more sad and dramatic. Yeah. Cause I remember like crying while walking through the snow, which is just as a visual. Yeah. It's just a real, real low point in You're life. Freezing alone in bed. Yeah. yeah. And also I had that apartment I was talking about that was just like kind of a crummy apartment. The one that I was in before I met Dan. Um, yeah. And I just, I had quit my full-time job to sort of like start pursuing comedy more full-time. And I had a part-time job as a nanny, but it wasn't really paying a lot. And I was just like so broke and confused. And I think I just was doubting everything. But I was reading a self-help book at the time. I was reading Wayne Dyer's, um, if you believe it, you'll see it. If you, yeah, if you believe it, you'll see it. 
So did you, what did you take away from the book? Um, I just, whatever it was, I just remember reading it. And every time I opened it up, whatever passage I was reading, I felt so much lighter afterwards. And so it really was getting me through this sort of dark time. I also read The Power of Now at that time. I read them back to back. Yeah. And I just felt like so uplifted. And I think that a combination of like... I, I am a believer that when you hit a bottom, it's because something really great's about to happen. And Lacey actually touches on that a little bit. The magic. Before the storm. What is it called? It's like the magic dark or something? Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially calm before the storm. Yeah. But we're just breaking down Lacey Phillips' workshops. When she said that, I've always felt in my life, no matter what it was, career, personal life, doesn't matter. Anytime I'm like really, really sad or depressed, like crying a lot. It, I, I have to remind myself this is because something good is about to happen. And yeah. it's every single time been the case. Like when I was going through that devastating breakup, I was like, I feel like things couldn't get any worse. And then it was like, oh, you're like going to be on television. You're yeah. going to be get your first TV thing, which, you know, to the to the rest of the world, it's only a couple of minutes on TV. No, but to the it, rest of the world, they're like, you're going to be on TV? That's so Yeah, cool. I guess so. I mean, it was just like a few seconds seconds of stand-up on TV, but it meant so much to me at the time. And yeah. then when I got to the semifinals, I was like, oh my God, like I just, it literally like woke me up and got me out of my misery. So that was, that. would you say that's the first thing that was like the most major thing in your life? The I first say, major thing. Yeah. It felt like the first major thing. So from there, walk me through these career milestones. Oh. <laughs> I, I would like to know because it says you're a writer's assistant working for Jerry Seinfeld yeah. and all these comedians and then you have a book and girl code and crashing and from writing to acting on the show. Like, yeah, walk me through the evolution. So the evolution, um, the evolution would be, so the, the Jerry Seinfeld thing happened actually before it happened before last comic standing. It was when I was still in that relationship and I, I got called in to be a writer's assistant for this show called the marriage ref, which was produced by Jerry Seinfeld. And so it was Jerry and three other comedians every day writing in his office overlooking central park. It was just like a beautiful wow. office with these floor to ceiling windows. And <laughs> it was decorated very uh, minimalistically. It was like just it. a little bit of like Jerry's Porsche memorabilia really? and like a couple of posters from the B movie. <laughs> and <laughs> I, but I, when I walked in there, I was like, Oh my God, this is the major leagues. Like I couldn't believe I had this job. This is the major I literally league. was like, this is like comedy major leagues. It I'm is. in Jerry Seinfeld's office. I'm in this like penthouse. Yeah. Apartment slash office. It was just like very, whoa, I can't believe this is happening. You know what I'm imagining right now? That scene in When Harry Met Sally where like, uh, where they're like uh, gearing up to go on dates or something, where they're talking about their first dates. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, and they're walking through the art gallery. I don't even know. Maybe it's the art gallery. Okay. I don't know. I think this is a big window. And they have the big window. I think big they're at the window. Met. I thought they were in somebody's house. Oh, maybe they were looking at an apartment? I think they were at his house. Oh, maybe, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't there's, know. There's, there's a be, meme or something. I know what you're talking it's about. A hip, a hip popular photo on Instagram that circulates Instagram of this scene, but it makes me think of this Jerry Seinfeld moment. But yeah. Not unlike that. Okay. I know what you're talking. I know the visual you're talking about. Thank it you. was not unlike that. Thank you. And, um, yeah, it was just like, yeah, it, it felt very overwhelming. Um, but I, I was, so I was a writer's assistant. I ended up getting fired. Why? Because I'm all defensive. And I actually, to this day, don't fully know why, but I did hear afterwards that they circulated through several 
writer's assistant. So I know I wasn't the only one. Uh, My feeling is it was so confusing because one day... You're too beautiful. Jerry fell in love with you. Oh my God. His wife had to remove you. I allegedly, man. allegedly. I'm just kidding. I love, I love that we're starting a scandal yeah. here. Start a scandal. Um, but yeah, I, I remember. I'm trying to collect my thoughts. Oh, I remember that one day after work, I was told by I think it was Jerry's assistant that I was doing a really good job, and I was like, oh my god, and it pumped me up so much, and I went home just like high on happiness and. Yeah feeling so accomplished and then I got fired the next no! day. Oh yeah. My God, they're like prepping yourself. Yeah. Esteem. It was really crazy or maybe it was two days later but it was like right after hearing I was doing great. Oh my God. I hope my date tonight doesn't go hey I really like you oh tonight my and then God. give me the boot tomorrow. I can't believe it. Yeah. But- it was a real mind fuck. So that oh my God. So that happens. So that happened. I cried it out for like two days yeah. and then my breakup came like a month later. So it was a real low point okay. but then last comic standing it just made that like so much sweeter and better because I was like, oh, I really like went down before going back up. So what starts coming to you after Last Comic Standing? Well, it's funny because I thought with Last Comic Standing uh, that it would just like open all these doors immediately and things would change overnight. And like, I just had these big hopes. Um, But of course, that's never how things happen. Um, It's just never how things happen. I feel like nothing happens things happen things add up to things happening but one thing doesn't cause a change overnight. I I just don't think that's... I think that's maybe to outsiders how it seems, but it's not how careers actually build. And so, yeah, I was like doing colleges, doing stand-up at colleges here and there, not making a ton of money, but like sort of getting by. Then there was like a true TV show where they needed talking heads. And I think I was like doing... I was doing some talking heads for that. I think it paid like 500 bucks every time I went in, which was not that often. So it was really not a lot of money. Um, Yeah. And then from there, I guess girl code was kind of like my next felt like my next like thing that actually helped because it helped with touring and um, it was so popular. I couldn't to this day, I'm like, Whoa, I did not know I was getting involved in something popular. I thought when I auditioned for it, like, oh, this will be cool. Maybe I don't really know what it is. I don't, I don't really know anything about it. I actually was told when I auditioned for Girl Code that it was um, probably going to be a web series. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not think it was for television. Oh, you were there season one, right? I was there season one. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I was I yeah, made, part was of the like, OG crew. Holy shit. Who else was on that show? It was me, Jessime Peluso, Carly Acolino. Um, Nicole Byer, Alice Wetterland. I feel like, and then a couple of like, um, oh, I'm trying to think Melanie. She's like a, I think she's like a sports illustrated model. She's like truly striking. Um, and then April Rose, who's another model. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh wow. Okay. So that was, and then how many seasons did you do? Oh, and Shalia Evans also. Yeah. And did you guys go on Girl Code comedy tours? We did. Yeah, a little bit. Once it started to take off, we started doing Girl Code tours. And um, yeah, it was just like a nice credit. It really helped with like getting booked at comedy clubs and stuff. Yeah. So that was a nice bump. And then from there, I finally got to do stand up on television for the first time, like to really do like a late night set. I did Conan. How was that? How did it feel? To do that. And how long ago was that? That was my first... Uh, I think that was in 2012. 
2012 or 2013. Yeah, so five or six years ago. Yeah. So you do Conan. Was that just like, did you burst into tears? In the, like, like, just because it was so exciting to do it? Yeah. Meaningful? I, um, it's funny. I cried so much. I cried during the day out of nerves. Afterwards, I cried. I remember as soon as I got off stage, I went back into the green room and just fell apart and said, I never want to do that again. It was too nerve wracking. In fact, doing stand up on late night television is still just, it's so hard. Really? It feels so hard. I just did it again a couple of months ago. I did James Corden and I, I was just like, this never gets easier. I'm panicking about the set even though I'm so much more comfortable in my own skin than I was when I did Conan years and years ago, it's still hard. It doesn't really, there's no shortcut. It's just difficult. You have to make sure your jokes land. The stakes feel high because you don't really want to be like, oh, stop, can I take that again? Because it's, it's supposed to have a live feeling. It's really supposed to feel like, oh, this is like the one time I'm doing this and it's taped and that's it, you know, copy, print, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Do other people do that ever? Do they ever stop and have to redo? Has I've had heard happen? of it, but I apparently rarely. It's like, right? Yeah, it's, it's a very big no-no. Rare. You yeah, don't, you don't want to be doing that. So, oh my god. So you do, okay? So it just doesn't get easier. It's terrifying, right? It, it's just so terrifying. Right. Yeah, it's it stand up is is usually it feels like such a release and it's so exciting, but doing stand up for a television audience. It's just very unpredictable. A lot of times they laugh at the setup, which is great. You want them to laugh as much as possible. Oh, I do that at dinner parties sometimes and I get humiliated even then. When oh I laugh, my God. When I laugh at somebody's setup at a joke and I'm like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. Wait for it, but go on. Yeah. No, so. but that, that is, that it throws you off because you're like, oh wait, there's more coming. The so you have to like wait for them to die down oh. and then you say your punchline and then they don't laugh as hard at that because they were like, oh, I thought that was your punchline. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. And then where do you work out oh, your material? Um, just, just around town. Where do you and, like to go up at in LA and New York? Um, in LA, I just did like a show at Bar Lubitsch last night, which was really fun. Um, Hollywood Improv, Comedy Store. Yeah. Those are my, yeah. I'm trying to think where else. Occasionally the Laugh Factory. Yeah. But do you go to like these random like like a brewing company. Like, oh yeah. Do you do that too? Yeah 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 yeah. There are minutes? no shows that I'm really like. I won't do that. How many minutes do they get people though? I feel like it's only down to three minutes now. Well, that's if you do the open mic. Oh. But if you do like a booked show, usually I would say sets are at least seven minutes. That's good. Okay. Yeah, and then I have a show that I do with my husband once a month at the UCB. You do which called month? date night. Date night on Sunset or uh, at the Franklin. Franklin. Date night monthly mm-hmm. at UCB Franklin. Yeah. Is there a specific like... Uh, we don't have a date for the next different. one. It's no always date. different. It's I know. No date for date night. No date for it's date It's moving night. around the calendar. What is but, the show? Um, we just host. Our, our sort of premise is that like we both do comedy so we don't see each other that much at night. So this is our like one night of the week that I we get to like this. have a date on stage. Oh my God. And catch up. It's really fun. And, and then we have stand-ups on the show. You do. Oh, so you guys host the show we host together. It. And then you just have your stand-up friends. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's incredible. What a great idea. Yeah. It's really fun. You should do it sometime. I would love to. What you can do, do whatever you want. I'm not a comedian. Carte blanche. Just, I'm not a stand-up. You, you're very I'm funny. I'm, 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 I'll say I'm a comedian, but I'm not a stand-up. Whatever that means. That's like you can just like whatever you're feeling. You could do a reading. Oh my god! You can god. do an interpretive dance. I don't want people to kill themselves. Like, I don't <laughs> you can hang. Them you can down. lecture <laughs> the audience on. Uh, give them a, a Lacey Phillips I can't, tutorial. Hey, whatever many, you're how feeling. Many, how many minutes do I get? 
Um, I'll give you 15 minutes. 15? That seems yeah. like a lot. How many, how many minutes do people usually Well, get? usually we have like four people. So we like to give people a little bit more time. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, I will be there. I'm, You'll be there. I'm booking myself on your show. Amazing. I mean, you did invite me, but I'll figure out something fun. Anyway. Um, all right. So you're doing all these things. You work at your material. You actually have fun when you work at your material. You don't get... I mean, don't you get nervous when it's... You get nervous on TV stuff, doing your stand-up, but like shows? Yeah. You don't get nervous? No, I definitely do. I mean, it depends on the show. I really love shows. A lot of people don't feel this way. A lot of people feel the opposite. I actually, I love when it's very low attendance. Like last night I did a show where there are only like five people in the audience. Yeah. And where? Um, it was at Bar Lubitsch. Okay, yeah, sorry. And, oh, no, yeah, I, they have shows there. They have, they have a couple different people who put on shows there. But anyways, it was at Bar Lubitsch. I was the last person to go up, and a lot of the comedians who were there earlier had left, which also took some of the pressure off, because I actually get really nervous when other comedians watch me. Yeah. Because um, I just know we're, like, the harshest critics, and... I actually really feel like excited to see people, but I know other people who are like, they can be a little more bitter and, yeah. you know, just hyper critical and that kind of thing. So it just puts me in my head knowing that they're watching. Anyway, oh God. a lot of people went, had left and it was just me and these five people in the audience. And like, we just really connected and I did new material and I just felt really loose. And I was like, oh, if I could just take this looseness and apply it to when there are more people watching, that would be amazing. If I could just have, if I could have five people watching confidence when hundreds of people are watching, that would be like, I feel like that would be like the key to life. I mean, looseness. I mean, that is the key. It's just so great for auditions, for a podcast, for for any interview, for stand-up, yeah, looseness and like what, I, that tight feeling when you get nervous, where your timing is off, or it's just like, how do you how, like do you take beta blockers? Because I have to take beta blockers sometimes. I've I never get, taken those. Oh god, I take propranolol. Take one or two, ten milligram each. Yeah, because that just makes such a difference, and it's so horrible when you know it serves you to be loose, but your body just can't do it. Yeah. But I guess you have to fake it. Like well, on a TV show, you'd have to fake it on a late night show performance. Yeah. I mean, that's the one great thing about doing late night is it does prepare you for anything because you'll never feel more anxiety than right before you go on stage. How do you prepare? It. Like break it down for somebody listening in sure. middle America who wants to come to Hollywood or New York, who dreams to be you. How do you work up the courage? Like what are your tools? Well, I think as far as preparation goes, I used to sit down with like paper and pen and like pretty much just start writing jokes. Like I would just drink a lot of coffee and just sort of free write and see what came out. And then I would take what I wrote that day and then bring it to an open mic and try it out on stage. Now I'm more in a zone where I will write down a couple of bullet points about an idea and then I'll bring it up on stage. And if it's a show like it was last night where I just feel like I can, no one's really watching, the stakes are pretty low. If I can get on a low stake show and just have fun fuck around, try new stuff, do a little bit of old stuff just to make sure like they're getting something and they're not just like feeling used by me. Just being like, Hey guys, like, let me just throw out all this like completely untested material at you. I actually like want to give them something that feels like a written joke for them. Um, yeah. And then I feel like that's how I kind of get to a place of like, Oh, this is what I'm excited to talk about. And then as far as like I mean, on the day. That's the thing. On the day, like last night, I got really, really anxious before going on stage. Um, I've definitely been known to like cancel shows just based on my anxiety. Like, oh, really? I don't say that's why I'm canceling, but I've definitely had times where I'm like, 
I I can't I can't do this show. I've actually gone to shows and seen comedians that um make me really nervous not because they did anything but just because of my own insecurity I have seen them and then been like I don't think I should do this show like I think I should go home like I already drove there was ready and I and I have to talk myself out of it I have to be like no like they do their thing they have their perspective they bring that to this audience you are a different person you bring your perspective it's just as valuable yeah you're fine like I have to do a lot of self-talk yeah yeah Oh my god! What about but on the day of like a television show, like a late night program? Oh, the day of a late night. Like what's show. A, what's a ritualistic thing? Are you meditating? Are you you're not taking beta blockers? You're no, I definitely alcohol? do meditate. You meditate. I meditate. Um, and I I just keep telling myself it's gonna be fine. Like yeah. I know that's so basic, oh but I really have to do a lot of like, it's gonna be fine. You yeah. know how to do stand up. Yeah. I also like to recall a set that went really well and like cling to it. Cling to yeah. it. Yeah. Like, because I run the set before I run it at shows before I actually have to do it on TV. Yeah. And so like Ooh. for this last one, I did a show at Largo maybe two nights before the taping and it was really fun. And I was like, this is just like a version of that Largo show. It's yeah. going to look different. It might feel a little different, but it's exactly the same. You're doing the same jokes. They went great there. They'll go even better here. And like, I really just kind of had to keep repeating that. What is the biggest difference between acting, now that you've admitted to yourself you love doing it and you want to do it and you're doing it, the difference between acting and stand-up? I know you said you said the control thing, but it's like... Is it basically the same thing? Is it pretty fluid? It's like the or completely different. Did you have to relearn things or learn things? Um, well, I studied acting for a long time, so I feel like it's kind of a different muscle. But I would say that I would say that the same that the main crossover between stand up and acting is that if you're really present, people love it. Oh. Like when you're really present in stand up, like people can tell when you're on autopilot. They can tell when you're just reciting jokes, but you're actually thinking of something else. Is that what being loose is? It kind of being present? I think being present is being loose. Yeah. I think like, not nervous. I think like, you know, there was a girl on my show last night who she, she did some jokes and her jokes were really funny, but her biggest laughs were coming from just like commenting on the audience, commenting on the stage and, oh. you know, talking to their people um, playing music on the stage. There was like a little band and she was like commenting on the band, talking to the band. And I think that people really got into just seeing someone in the moment. Oh, wow. And I think that's the same that's with That's what I'm going to do at your show. I'm going to do that at your show. Yes. Totally. Just come, be present, <laughs> feel it out. Yeah. Talk about the black box theater. Talk about the black box. But so when you do that with your acting. I think that's when it's at its best is when you're really locked in. And I think that meditating helped with that for me because I used to be, I used to, I'd be in a conversation with someone, but not really be in it because I'd be thinking of other things, but my mouth would be moving with the person and then my head would be somewhere else. And it took me a while to kind of get my mouth and my head to sync up. And now that I feel, I feel like I'm better at doing that. I think it's just made everything I've pursued artistically just so much better and purer and um, just like more fruitful. I guess yeah, it's I kind think, of like a corny thing to say, no, but you sound like you're grounded and you're grounded in it yourself. It so and much present. work. It does take a lot of work. It takes so much work. That's why you can't rehash all those lacy things over and over again. You're doing all the work on the other, meditating. You're what, memorizing though. Do you have a hard time memorizing? I've gotten better. How? Give us secrets. Yeah, that's a you know. 
Ugh. I don't know if I have a secret. I think that my memorization got better when I stopped criticizing myself so much. Like when I'm just like, I'm not like excellent at it. I'm not like, oh, I can look at it and I know it. I'm not in that zone. I definitely have to repeat it a bunch. Um, I usually run it with my, I have an acting coach for pretty much every audition. I see her and I just have her run it with me. And then um, I will sometimes get um, my friend who walks my dog. I'll have him run the lines with me a bunch. Yeah. And so I like to, I like to be super memorized, but um, also... What was the question? I oh, forgot. Oh, how do you memorize? Oh, how do you oh memorize? Oh, my God. You can't even oh remember the question. Oh, my God. Hilarious. That was too perfect. That was actually um, spot that on. That was like a dad joke, except you weren't joking. I know. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. Um, well, listen. We're gonna, we're, the podcast is not going to last forever. Don't worry. <laughs> You're out of here in a second. Wake up. I don't want to go. But, I just... Uh, oh, man. That was so embarrassing. Well, there's also this app called... Uh, this app called... I'm like slurring here. Like I just had a stroke or something. God forbid. But I... I use, there's this app called Line Learner. Have you ever seen that? Oh, I've heard of it. I have to get it. You can like record if you don't have anybody to read with and you need to like uh, you just record the other person's lines and read it with yourself and you remove your your dialogue. And oh. You just, you just read, you know, whatever. That's great. You record Do you like lines. that app? In a pinch, if you don't, if it's like a quick thing and all of a sudden you've got an appointment later that day or the next morning and you can't find anybody to read yeah. with, it's helpful that this app exists. That's great. But... Uh, I have a million other questions for you. Do you mind? Oh, yeah, oh but, please. Wait, and you have to. Okay, so wait. So late night shows, but you're telling me about all the uh, the, the the milestones along the way, yes. with, like the book and how crashing came to be. I want to know those things and anything else I might be forgetting. And then I have a question about your relationship. Okay, first, first uh, you know, you tell me where we tell, start. You tell. I, I know I should. Um, wait, how did you? Okay, well, we'll take a break from the milestone career stuff because let's talk about feelings again. And boys, love it. How did you know? How is Dan different from other guys in the past? How did you know he would be like, you're okay with marrying him? Yeah. um, I think that the main thing was just his openness to like, I think it's his openness to kind of like, he's also very into like self growth and reflection and like not in a way that's really overt. Like he would never use those words to describe it by any means, but he definitely like, if I tell him like, Oh, like this bothers me or this stresses me out or anything like that, he really hears it and tries to adjust it. Does Yeah, he really does. And he also is just like a very, he's a very, um, he's very encouraging of me in a way that it just makes me yeah, it just makes me like feel like he has my back, which is a really, you know, I had, I had felt that before, like my college boyfriend, I was really close with, and it was a really great relationship. And I, I felt that also with him as well, like just kind of rooting for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that, that was the main thing. I felt like the other guys just weren't it. It just weren't it's it. sometimes like that simple. It just like was not right. Did you know Dan was the one or like when did you know? Or did you always have an internal kind of I think feeling? I knew pretty early on. You did. But I also have never been the type of person who's like I don't really believe in the one and I also I also I don't even know if I like glorified marriage really. I didn't I didn't know if that was something I wanted even. Um yeah. my parents are married. It's not my favorite marriage. They're not like the best examples. Yeah. Um 
of what I would want my marriage to look like. But I think that because of that, I never really knew. I didn't really have a, 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 an expectation set of like, this is how it has to be. Yeah. And so I think that helped a little bit just being like, okay, let's just like see what feels right versus like trying to get, trying to like reverse engineer or like get this to fit um, a picture I had in my head. How did he propose? Um, is that he, my business? Oh, please. Tell no, me. no. I keep saying, oh, please. Oh, please. I've said it like seven times. My word. No, I am my word. Woo. <laughs> what happened? Um, I'm wearing this sweater and it is making me so hot. Like whatever Oh, really? Take it off, is, girl. Just kidding. Oh, my God. I'm like dying. Uh, I'm I, warm too. And I feel like my stomach keeps growling and you don't have headphones on. And I've got these like. You can not hear even your real, stomach through your headphones? No, I can't. But I'm like afraid you can. But I can hear the rumbles of my stomach oh. growling. So I hope I'm not offending you with stomach no. growls. I don't hear the growls. That's all I want you to say. All I'm thinking about is that I think this might be like pure polyester and I'm dying. Oh, really? What are we going to do? I don't know. That's oh, all right. Well, okay. Do you need I'll a be tank? okay. Do you need a tank top now that I'm podcasting from no. home? And you have access oh to my, my closet? <laughs> I, I'll give yeah, you a parting no, gift. I'm okay. I just, it's a bummer because I just bought it and I'm like, I don't think I can keep wearing this. Oh, it's like not well, breathing. Re- return it. Did you get it I think I might. I didn't. You didn't? Where'd I you bought get it, it online? Rachel Comey. Rachel, Rachel Comey is letting you down? Yeah, a little Unbelievable. bit. No I, thanks, I Rachel Comey. Clothes, but this is really Apparently hot. not. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, What was I saying? Uh, oh. How did he propose? Oh, how did he propose? We were... Um, It's funny. <laughs> the day that we... The day that we got we got engaged, um, he he told me that a friend of his, um, a mutual friend of ours, was visiting L.A. He was staying in Santa Monica for work, and we were going to go hang out with him that <laughs> night. And he was like, "We're going to meet up with him a little later in the night, but during the day, let's just like make a day of it. Let's go to Santa Monica. We can ride bikes by the beach." Yeah. And I was like, "Great, great." And I don't remember there was something like earlier in the day we were talking about how he had to buy a gift for friends of ours that had just gotten engaged. And, um, I was like, yeah, like it was like, Dan, did you, did you get the gift? Like you can just buy the gift. You don't have to like consult me on it. Basically. Yeah. I was like you, cause I, I buy a lot of gifts and I was like, you can also like take <laughs> over and just buy the gift for them. And I was being so bitchy and he just took it. And I noticed that I was like, he's not like fighting. He's not really fighting back. He's just kind of like, letting me be a monster. Oh God. Yeah. But at the time I was like, what an interesting change of personality. Like he usually like would talk to me about this. We would like duke it out a little bit and then we would like come to some kind of solution. He was not trying to make, problems. he was not. <laughs> and then I, of course I realized it's cause like this is, he knew this was the day we were getting engaged. Yeah. So he was like trying to just like not make <sighs> the waters even rougher. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, but that died down. And then we went and had like a really great brunch in Santa Monica do you drink alcohol? Do you drink alcohol ever? Yeah, I drink. Okay. Yeah, I I don't I don't think I, I'm not a big brunch drinker. Yeah. I usually like coffee at brunch. Me too. But um actually wait, I don't know why I said it was a great brunch. It was a great <laughs> it was a great brunch like the spot that we were venue? at was yeah, it was a cool venue. <laughs> I don't remember the name of it, but they had a bar off to the side where they made their own hazelnut milk. And you I remember don't being remember like, the name no, of it? Well, how many years it ago was, was this? Garbage. I would never recommend it. Oh. The food was so bad. It okay. took forever, but it looked so oh. cool. It was yeah. like the perfect like Santa Monica hot spot. Good, good tiling, maybe or excellent no. tiling. I love good tiling, but yeah, food's like more important. subway tiling. Oh, cool. You know that always makes you think this is gonna rock my world, yeah. and then it doesn't. This one did not. So you're there. So we're there and we were both like so disappointed. We were like, this Ugh. place looked so promising and it's really bad. We ordered this like kale salad that was like 
dripping in dressing. Like, and it was like, you know, sometimes <laughs> there's like these like sweet dressings. It'll be like a strawberry vinaigrette and it's usually lightly sweetened. This was like full on like Too sopping <laughs> pureed strawberries <laughs> with like Splenda. It was so nasty. Splenda. It was so nasty. Okay. Tasted terrible. So we left there and we were like, Ugh, this is so irritating. I was like, we have to go to a Whole Foods. I need to like get a snack. I'm still hungry. He was still hungry. I was like, we're going on a bike ride. I'm going to need nuts. I'm going to need fruit. I need to fuel up. I'm so angry. So we go to the, and so then I'm like being a bitch again. We go to the Whole Foods. We get snacks. Then we go ride bikes. Bike riding was so fun. We're like along the water. We're headed to Malibu. It was great. And then Dan was like, hey, let's go take a picture over there by that tree. And I look over and it's just a random palm tree. And I was like, why do you want to take a picture by a palm oh, tree? Like every story I've heard about getting engaged, like the girl being like, what? 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 Why would we do that? And so <laughs> then he was like, okay, fine. We don't have to. And then, so we were riding a little longer and that was really weird. And I was like, okay, he's being weird. But for some reason it did not dawn on me. Yeah. Like I just didn't put it together. He also was wearing his jacket, like a suit jacket to ah! bike ride. Ah! Granted it was cool outside. So I was like, oh, maybe he just forgot a sweatshirt, but he looked so weird. Yeah. He was wearing a full on like tuxedo jacket with like bike shorts. It was so strange. How old was he at the time? Um, we were 30, 30. Great. Okay. Yeah. 20, 30. Yeah. Okay. So, so, then, um, yeah, so then we're biking, we're biking along, biking along, and then he stopped and he's like, oh, something's wrong with my bike seat. And I was like, what? What's wrong? I was like, so, I don't know. I was just like irritable all day. Jesus. I think I was getting my period or something. God. I was just like not being nice. And I was like, what's wrong with your bike seat? And he was like fooling with it. And he's like, oh, I guess it's fine. Then he kept going. He stopped again. Oh no, I, I passed him on my bike. And then I look <laughs> back and he stopped again. And so I stopped and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess his bike's like really bothering him. And then I turn around and start walking to his bike and then he starts walking towards me and then he got down on one knee and I was like, oh my God. And I started freaking out. And then this girl who was jogging on the same bike path ran by and she was like, oh my God, are you guys getting engaged? And I hugged her first. I hugged her and said yes to her. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh my I, God. Like I, and then I like. We're so loud, but the whole thing is going to. Oh, no. We're like, well, I love it. No, it's great. Keep going. You hug her. I first. hugged her first. I was like, oh my God, I am getting engaged. And then she Thank just you. kept jogging. And then I was like, I mean, yes, back to you. Like, oh. of course. Yes. And he had a whole speech plan and he like, didn't get a word out because I was just like, so effusive. He didn't. He didn't Did he write say it down? anything. Did no, you read I it later? He, I think he told me later. I think he might have incorporated some of it into his vows later at the wedding. But yeah, he apparently had a whole spiel and like he just didn't oh my get God. to say it because I was like, ah. how I cannot believe this. Yeah. And I'm just so like thrilled when I hear like young people getting engaged because it seems like traditional stuff and ritualistic stuff gets thrown to the wayside or maybe that's not in fashion or where everybody's jaded. But he just knew he was like. I'm proposing now. Like yeah. How, how long had you been together for? We had been together like five years at that, five and a half years half at half that years, point. Five yeah. Five and a half years. And also, so then God, he, he was like, oh, well, you, you remember I, told, I said how we were meeting up with his friend that night. There's like a garbage he was truck like, going I know. Sorry, guys. It's, we're trying to power through, but yeah. it is quite loud. But I think we're good. Keep going. So we, we're said, okay. What'd you say before that? Oh, well, he had said that his friend was meeting up with us. His friend wasn't even there. He lie. had gotten us a hotel room in Santa Monica. And we went to G, what, G, Giorgio Baldi. <gasps> 
for dinner. Oh my god, he, I went there plans. One, I went there one time and I saw Madonna and Gwyneth Paltrow Ooh. there. And I remember drinking. Uh, they were together. They were together. Wow. They were friends. And I remember drinking Chardonnay or some kind of wine. And I remember thinking, I wish I had no intoxicant inside me because I didn't want any anything to make that moment hazy. Because oh. I was like, so I couldn't believe it. But anyway, yes, that's, you went there. That's amazing. That's a fancy I can't believe you got both of them at dinner together, having that's a great time. So lovely. So you go there. Yeah, we went there and then um, we went back to... He got us a hotel room. It was really nice. I can't remember what hotel it was. I can't remember what hotel. I think it was a Marriott, but it was like maybe a JW Marriott. It was right on the water. It was really nice. Listen, you don't have to... I'm with you. I love it. And then... I support it. um, We went back there and then his friend was visiting. He just wasn't getting in until the next day. So then we went and had um, brunch the next day with his friend and that was really fun. So we got to like celebrate with a a buddy. So he's not even... Your fiance or your husband now is not even a liar because... Because it was kind of true. It was kind of true. It was kind of true. Oh my God. So this just gives me faith in men that maybe men are good and loving and old timey and cozy and want to be in a monogamous relationship. I think so. Yeah. I think that, I think that exists. It's, I think if we want it, they also probably want it. That's true. Because we are all, we're just human beings. Yeah. What about Instagram? Does it ever scare you? I guess I'm coming through the lens of a person just now starting to really like I someone. I should be more scared well, no, by you're it. you're fine. Well, just I've give- also had times, though, where I'm like, why are you following that person? And it's like, oh, we went to high school together. I'm like, okay, I can't really well, say what anything. They, I mean, but like in past relationships, I, oh, yeah, like Instagram and the future and social media and all that stuff. And like, I don't know. I, I, I get so I can get very like insecure about those things or worried or nervous and I can spin myself out even if the other person is completely trustworthy and if somebody somebody were to look at are you kidding me I mean we have all the noises outside unbelievable but uh if somebody, if somebody were to look at me and like the comments I leave on other people's pages like hearts that mean nothing or like whatever uh I could be my stomach growling too anyway whatever (laughs) I could be I could be seen in a bad light even though it's harmless but uh yeah why does Instagram create nerves for women I mean, I definitely understand why it does because no one posts bad photos unless they're like some, being quirky and brave. Some girls post straight up nudes. Yeah. Yeah. You can get everything you want on Instagram. It's a real buffet. It's a real buffet. So what, what's the proper... We just have to let it go and just trust and, and I think be that, calm. And, yeah. And I think that the right person is not going to make you feel threatened by any outside forces. I actually feel like I can make myself feel threatened by outside forces, even if I'm hanging out with, you know, a person who isn't trying, isn't threatening me, or I don't know. Oh my god, my stomach's. Don't listen. Are you so hungry? I'm not. What are you gonna eat? Let's talk what about am I gonna, food. I do really want to try Shake Shack, but not tonight. You've not never today. been there. I've never been to Shake Shack. <gasps> I love see. I know it's so special. I can't wait to go. So you're not so vegan. Delicious. I'm not, but I've been eating a lot less meat. I'm trying to do an anti-inflammatory diet right now. Everybody is. That's so yeah. funny. It's pretty. I feel like it's kind of the go-to. It's also just so. It's so, it just makes the most sense. It's like, what is an anti inflammatory diet? It's just diet? like, I'm so happy to no walk away from sugar. this Instagram conversation, too. Oh, I, by the way, I'm happy to circle no, back. I we'll circle back maybe, but okay. I, I actually feel like it's too dangerous and there's no answer. I feel like there's no answer, and it's also, you, you do not have to worry about that. With I the don't. right person, absolutely not. Okay. You it, naked is way more exciting than a random person on Instagram naked to, and I the, guess, to the person you're with. And also, I guess you can't control, like, men watch porn, whether you la- ask them or not, or they tell you or they not. Do I want to know? Does it make them a monster? No. I Other people know. are beautiful. It doesn't mean they're cheaters. I, I'm just saying, these are all, like, the whopping questions that, that come to me. 
when I start thinking about actually me actually being in a relationship, I have all these like, oh, I don't want my feelings to be hurt. That's what it is. It's like, I don't want to be abandoned or my feelings to be hurt. Yeah. But I guess you just have to like let it all go and be like, relax. Yeah. And also like, I think a lot of the fears we have come from fears that we have about ourselves. Like maybe it could be, I don't know. I'm not diagnosing. Just do Huge it. Huge preface. Just I am not diagnosing. It. But it also it. could be like, oh, these are things that like you're nervous about with yourself. Maybe there's like, maybe you fear commitment to a degree. <gasps> oh, that that's better. Not, that makes me cooler. Okay, good. I just know whenever I'm like really hung up on anything, I'm like, oh, it's probably because like somewhere either deep down or maybe not that deep, who knows. I also have these fears about myself. Like I'm the one who's like, I always like with one foot out the door or looking at other people. I mean, that's a good point. Possibly, maybe not to the degree that I think we're talking about, but yeah, you know, there could be remnants for sure. Maybe it's just ego. I'm looking for anything to separate me from someone. I think we also always want to believe like the worst. We are it. Oh, you're for right. Them, yes, it. And I'm like, who are it these could other not people? Be topped. We satisfy on every level. We satisfy them physically, yes. sexually, emotionally, mentally, emotionally. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a tall order. Ugh. God. It's a tall order for human beings. Back to Shake Shack. Yes. I've never been. Oh, yes. It's you love delicious. it? Oh, but you're on the anti so I'm I- on an anti-inflammatory diet right now. Um, what? Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Tell other people. It's essentially the Paracone diet. It's just... Um, like no I know what that is. sugar. Well, he... So Dr. P- Dr. Paracone, mm-hmm. um, he has like a skincare line, but then he also has this philosophy that basically you just cut out inflammatory foods and it can really improve your complexion and it can help with weight loss and just kind of overall bodily improvement. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's low, it's, it's no sugar, um, no wheat, no gluten. You can still have, what are we eating? You can have fruits, vegetables, you can have some starch. You can definitely have like quinoa and um, some barley and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, lots of seafood and eggs. Seafood, eggs, barley, quinoa. And no coffee, which no is coffee. really hard for me because I'm the big. It. I know. I wasn't going to do the no coffee part. I was going to keep coffee. Yeah. But I just read something about how... It can lead. It can mess with your stress levels and um, raise the cortisol in your body. Coffee and and raising your cortisol can lead to like carrying more weight in your stomach. And I've been feeling bloated lately, so I was like, okay, well, because of that, yeah, I'll kick the coffee for a little bit, just drink green tea, and see how I feel. I do feel a little foggier, but that's also because I'm only three days into You're eating this th- way. So yeah. who knows? Maybe it'll improve. Oh God, it's so exhausting being a woman. It is, we have but so also. Much to do. We have so much to do. I will say that the inflammatory foods diet, though, doesn't feel like a vanity thing. It's more like... Oh, that's true. This Sorry. is I mean, kind of how... Oh, I mean, I'm yeah. sure it's being used for that purpose. Yeah. But I'm saying at least it feels it feels a little more grounded. It's yeah. like, right, we shouldn't be eating sugar. Like, we know this. Yeah. Everyone knows this. So, yeah. Yeah. God. What do you eat? What do You're I a eat? Gorgeous specimen. Tell I'm me everything. Spe- I mean, my God, I'm like I'll eat. I'm eating anything and everything. I don't That's know. So I, I love that you are not <sighs> trying the wackiness that I'm trying. No, but all my girlfriends are. But uh, I don't know. But I am pretty healthy, and I take lots of supplements and stuff like That's that. That's good. It's funny. I just have like uh, anyway. Like, I, what do you I, eat I for breakfast? Wait for breakfast. Oh God, I'm gonna lie right now. Probably. Don't uh, oh, lie. No, I have. 
I don't know, I'll have cereal. I'll just have coffee and won't eat anything sometimes. sometimes yeah, like I've a done that. Trail mix. I'll have, uh, I don't know, Kashi cereal and, and low fat milk or I'll have yogurt. This just derail into the most boring podcast. No, this is the stuff I live for. Oh God, what else? But then again, like sometimes I'll be eating. I'll eat beef. What? Sorry, what was that? (laughs) You'll be eating what? Sometimes I eat beef jerky. Beef jerky? I'll eat beef jerky. I think a lot of people like beef jerky. I'll get. I'll eat turkey jerky. Is what I'm into right now because it's like it's like a lean form of protein. I'm starving. Uh, I do like meat. But then, you know, I don't know. I eat, all, I, I eat a lot of steak. I do. I'm sorry. I do it. Oh, I, I I was eating a lot of meat. You were? Yeah. I was pretty much like a paleo with like a little bit of starch. I, I just don't. I, I definitely can't. Well, someone told me recently because I was like, I don't think I tolerate gluten. And then I was like, oh, I sound like every person. That's okay. You know, gluten's like the new hot button issue. But, yeah. um, but I learned my friend went to an allergist and her allergist said that everyone is intolerant of gluten. Gluten oh. is naturally inflammatory. We are not supposed to have it. Nobody tolerates it well. Yeah. People just can tolerate it. It's oh. not like their bodies welcome it. They just are like, okay, this is what we're doing, fine. <sighs> but that doesn't. there is a difference between gluten intolerance and celiacs, and everyone's gluten intolerant. Oh, my so God. So when I heard that... I was like, okay, I'm not crazy because every time I eat a piece of toast, like avocado toast is obviously very big. Very, very big topic. Yes. Um, and Instagram. I would eat it and feel horrible. Toast I would feel bread? so spacey. Yes. Spacey and itchy. Those are my two. Spacey. That's what I call you behind your back. Spacey, itchy. <laughs> spacey and itchy. Not at all. Jamie Spacey, Never. itchy Lee. <laughs> yeah. I, I Never. mean, I was completely zonked, like needed a nap. Yeah. Couldn't articulate. Like I couldn't find my words. Like it was so stressful. And so I kept doing it. I was like, okay, well, surely I'm crazy. Surely I'm like making this up. And so I would keep eating the toast and then feeling Ugh. that way, eating the toast, feeling that way. And finally I was like, I'm just done. Yeah. It just doesn't agree with me. What about Ezekiel toast? Like sprouted grain it's toast. Better. That's what I eat. It's better. Yeah. Yeah. It is better. I don't really, again, I'm a little afraid of toast, like the physical form of toast. Oh, why? Well, just because of that experience oh, okay, of doing it. the avocado toast. I'm like, I think, I just yeah. don't think this is going to end well. So I'll do wraps. Yeah. I like the Ezekiel tortillas. Oh, yeah. I get those too. Yeah. Oh, man. Exclusive so content. Not, yeah, this is exclusive, guys. I can't believe guys. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I drink a lot of coffee. And wait, what was I going to tell I you, though? I love coffee. What was I going to tell you? Oh, I'm taking a lot. Of, I'm taking turmeric supplements lately. I think that's for anti-inflammatory That is, stuff. yeah. I feel like my calves get bigger and smaller. They expand. They get very swollen. Oh, and Ooh. today I'm wearing these jeans. They are so tight on me. I believe I'm doing it to either... I think I'm... I'm wearing them to like punish myself to be like, don't eat anymore. Or like, you got them on. Even though you're uncomfortable, you got to leave them on. So they'll stretch out or you'll eat less and shrink or something. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing some weird female bizarre thing. They're like compression pants. They are fully compression pants. Oh my God. They're really cute. Where are they from? Oh my God. They're made well. Oh, they're really nice. I'm waiting. I've got an Everlane package I'm waiting for too. Oh my God. Talk about uh, my addiction. It keeps coming up on my Instagram. What is Everlane? Oh, what is Everlane? How do we bury this lead? We're nearly done with the podcast and we're like only now getting to this. (laughs) I mean, you you just wouldn't stop talking about yourself. (laughs) Just kidding. I like, you barely talked about yourself. Uh, I just tried to talk at you about me. Um, and by the way, do you think I revealed, and I'll tell you about Everlane, did I reveal too much about the guy I'm dating? Was it too much where he's no. going to be like, 
stop talking about me? I don't feel like... I feel like we talked about dating. I don't feel about like dating. we really talked about him okay. specifically. Good oh, point. yeah. I think you're fine. Okay. Um, Everlane is this incredible company online. They just make basics, like highbrow at affordable prices. Everything's, I think, under like under $68, Ooh. I believe. Crew neck cashmere sweaters. Beautiful. Uh, silk blouses, button-down blouses. Mm. Now they're making denim. Uh, I just I'm waiting for a, a pair of white um, inspired by Lacey Phillips because she just wears a lot of white. All these like healer manifestation people seem to wear all white head to toe, and yeah. I'm like, I want to be part of this crew or yeah. something. Like Lacey some, Phillips dresses so beautifully, just so classic, mm-hmm. clean, chic, whatever. So now now Everlane is making high waisted denim and shoes. So I'm waiting for a pair of low heeled mules, black. And uh, and these high waisted white denim pants, but yeah. Anyway, that's wow. Uh, you're gonna like it. Sounds I mean, so good. Oh my God, I think we're both getting low blood sugars. Like yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you do a, a podcast for too long, and then you can just tell like the host and the guests are just like, wow. <laughs> we need Sounds a snack. Amazing. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> um. Wait. You have to tell me at least about this. And it's fun to go on tangential asides. That's actually the most fun part. Like the girl doing stand up comedy you're talking about, who was riffing with a band and everything. That's like when we go on tangential things. And then I try to take us back to the like... You do a good job. Tell me about the... Well, thank you. Yeah, um, you do a good job steering it back. But with the Okay, so when did... So Pete Holmes' podcast, when I love him and I love You Made It Weird. And, uh, you know, that's a big reference for my podcast, just these tangential conversations. So how did you end up... I need to Chelsea's Roundtable on Chelsea Lately. Tell me the order of, of Chelsea, Pete, crashing the book. If you don't make this interesting, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll kill you. God, the pressure's Just on. Just kidding. Um, well, the book came about because... Uh, so I wrote a book. It's called Wediculous, An Unfiltered Guide to Being a Bride. And it is a very like funny, honest portrayal of what it's like to get married. And I wrote it during my wedding planning process. So I actually, like, I got engaged and started writing the proposal, what? sold it, and then was writing the book as I was getting married, documenting what was happening to me in real time. Did your management pitch this to you? No. It's funny. Um, so I wrote the book with a very hilarious woman named Jacqueline Novak. And Jacqueline and I have been friends for a while. And we had actually kicked around ideas for writing a book together And when I got engaged, I started posting all of these photos related to engagement. Like I would post wedding dresses and be like, what do you guys think of this? Leave your opinions in the comments. And Jacqueline texted me after seeing a couple of my Instagram posts, like, what if we wrote a funny book about weddings? And at the time that just like didn't exist. Like every resource for a new bride it was all like the knot and pretty much the knot. Like that was kind of it. I don't even and know then, what that book is, but was it very serious? Um, I mean, uh, the knot is just like the go-to, you just got engaged, now what website for planning weddings. Oh my, thank you for letting me know and my listeners because I had never heard of this. Really? My, my friend's planning a wedding and they're looking into the park or, or something. Oh, okay. Palm Springs, but that's fascinating. Go there's, on. There's other, I mean, now there are other blogs. Like well, your book is the most carrots exciting Carrots and cake and there are, other, there are other resources and they're all very serious and there was nothing that was just kind of like talking about the emotional side of getting married. Yeah. So I wanted a book that did both, that talked about about the dresses and the cake and all the fun stuff, but also like what it's like to merge your family with his family or her family. Like all of that, I felt like, um, you know, was really complicated and just not being discussed and definitely not being joked about. Yeah. So I wanted to be the person to do that. So yeah, I think it's, it truly is like the book that I wish existed when I got engaged. 
Oh my God. Like that is what I was writing it for is like, I want to give back to the very temporary community of brides. And that came out in 2016 or 2017? That came out in 2016. 2016. Yeah. How long did it take to write? Yeah, it took about a year and a couple of months. Oh my God. Did you build in like incredible structure? Like into your life? Like what time did you wake up to balance oh, everything? Um, I did. Well, I would do side trips. Like I would try to write over weekends. Like I would go, I, well, I think I got us a room at like the Ojai Valley Inn and I just like sat by the pool and that's nice. treated myself to like these little vacations slash retreats. And I actually learned that I'm not great at writing away from home. Oh, um, that's now good I to really know. love writing at home. Yeah. Cause I'm always wondering if I should leave my place and go somewhere else to write. And I find that like. I don't want to, I don't want to, well, first of all, I don't want to go to a coffee shop. Yeah. But that's how I felt too. But I like my place. It's cozy. It's got everything you need. You just have to like turn your phone off and focus. But Right. And as long as you can like let a little light in so you yeah. don't feel like you're just like going in, stir crazy. Yeah. You don't want to feel like you're just in like a dank office all day. But if you can like open the curtains and maybe go outside every once in a while to like get some fresh air, it's, it's usually, it's usually a good place to, to work. Jacqueline would go with you. Jacqueline and I started meeting up towards the end because she oh, was in New York go, and I was in LA. So she came out to LA and we worked together. We did a lot of like copy editing just like at her place, at my place. Yeah. Um, I went to New York one time to write with her and we literally like sat there just like sitting next to each other. I had my laptop, she had hers and we just tried to like, you know, it's all about like hitting the word count. Like, you know, oh, you have really? to... really? Yeah, you know, you. it's not like you're writing... An essay, you have to like write so many essays. So you're like, whatever it is, just like keep writing, like more, oh. more, more. And then later you can go back and fine tune and make sure you're saying something you're actually proud of. Yeah. But in those initial stages of writing a book, just like write, write, write. It's like very first draft. Oh my God. That's good to know. Yeah. Just generate and then go generate, back. generate quantity, generate. quantity, quantity, quality comes later. Wow. Yeah. Um, so when you went on the day trips, I thought you meant you were going with Jacqueline, but you're going with your husband. Oh, no, yeah. your fiance. Oh, wait. Did we do a day trip, Jacqueline? I don't think we did. I think we, yeah, we talked about it, though, at one point. I don't think it actually ever happened. So that's happening, though. But then where does Chelsea Lately, uh, Pete Holmes' uh, talk show writer Yeah, I wrote play? on Pete's show right after, like right around the same time as Girl Code. I was flying back to do Girl Code while I was oh. a staff writer on Pete's show. Oh, my God. How did that even come to be? Um... I, you know, Pete, well, we had been friends and he told me that he was getting a talk show and that was around the time that I went to the Montreal Comedy Festival. I was like a new face, which is kind of like, I feel like that's sort of the first milestone that everybody recognizes in a stand-up's career because everyone wants to get into the Montreal Festival Yeah, and it's pretty competitive and you audition for years and a lot of people don't get in and it's just kind of this like big headache for new comedians. And so right around that time... Um, that I got in is when Pete's pilot got picked up. So I wrote on the pilot, and then when it got picked up to series, I moved to LA. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was that ref- like, were you relieved? Were you like, New York? No. I, I was ready. I, I don't think I really, at that time, I didn't feel super rooted in New York and I didn't feel rooted in LA. So I was just like kind of going flying by the seat of my pants and yeah, seeing where, where this, things took me. And this was after the breakup. So you're good is to all, go. Yeah. That yeah. needed to happen. That yeah. old energy was shed. <laughs> yeah. So you're writing on that. You're going back for girl code. That's exciting. Yeah. Like you're, you're going back. That's like nice to be like, I'm into man. I'm living my life. Okay. So, and then when did Chelsea come into play? Chelsea, I think I started doing the round tables. That was around the same time. I think I did some of them while I was writing on Pete's show. I remember having to leave to go tape that. 
Um, but yeah, I was, was in the rotation for a little while. I think I did like five episodes and then they ended up going off the air. How was that? Was it fun? Was it, it was scary? It was really, yeah, it was very, it was very fun. It was very hard. Why? Because you're kind of fighting to get your joke in and it's sort of like comedy hunger games. You have to like make sure you like get in there and like really? say enough, but you don't want to say too much because you don't want other people to not get to say their part. And Oof. panels are tricky. If Yikes. they're not moderated in a really structured kind of like meritocracy way, um, or not meritoc, dip, dip, I don't know. One Diplomatic, of the, whatever. One of those, one of the ocracies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, if it's not monitored closely, I think it can get it can be really hard to sort of like speak up and were, get your get your jokes in. Were there or were there any behind the scenes weird moments or just feelings of like what an asshole that person? You don't want to say names, but were there, oh, were, was I there mean, any kind of like? No, I think it was more like yeah. I remember. I think the the hardest part about that show was that you would get the jokes or the topics for the jokes that day. Um, maybe like two hours before you taped. So you'd have to write jokes around the topics really quickly. Like yeah. it was a very fast turnaround. And that was always really kind of like, that just always like sent me into a panic. Do they have writers there too? Like secret writers? No. They, they had writers, but the writers, I guess, weren't writing for the round table. They were ri- writing the segments. How funny. And so comedians came in with jokes. Oh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but that's the secret thing about there is some comedy game show where you would think you're supposed to write your own jokes, but they have writers there it's so to nice. write your jokes. It's so nice when that happens. But you can also go you with your joke. Yeah, that's you the want. thing. Even if you don't use... You know use, what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Even if you don't use use the jokes given, it's like just nice to have to be able to something read. to jump off from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're doing that. And she was nice to you, Chelsea Handler? Yeah, we didn't really get to interact. We She would always just kind of like wave to me when I went out. Ah! For the That's for the nice. panel, but yeah. I'm like such a fan of her. I'm love sure her. I was like kind of a dork where I was like, hey Chelsea. Like I just I don't know. I just didn't know how to act no, around her. No, I love her. Yeah. She's great. Um, she's amazing. So all right. And then does that take us up to get the book? We got uh, the talk show. Yeah. Got Chelsea. And then where were where where were you? What were you doing when the opportunity to to write for crashing came about? Where was I? I think I was in my office. Um, just You're like at I was house. in the crashing office. Yeah, uh, crazy. <laughs> I just remember I was in my I was in my house, and um, yeah, I I knew that Pete was pitching the show. Um, I thought it sounded really cool, and then yeah, I was at my home office, and my agent called, and and she was like, "Well, we officially got an offer for you to write on season one," and I was like, "Great," and. Yeah, that was kind of it. I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And that was my first like narrative writing job. So that was exciting. What did you learn? Is it, is it, how many writers are at that time? um, Now I want to say there's like five or six, maybe seven. Yeah. But at that time, they were doing a rotation to figure out who their permanent writers would be. So it was kind of, it was kind of crazy. Jesus. Like, I remember the feeling really stops. anxious. The pressure never stopped. So there were five or six writers. There were like a few people in there, yeah. And yeah. then um, some of them like didn't come back. Some of them did come back. Yeah. I kept getting renewed. So I was like, oh, okay, great. I guess this is going well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, now I'm like officially on staff. But um, You yeah. just look so unhappy right there. Just, I know you're and not. And now I'm officially <laughs> on staff. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just hot. Oh, 
She's only hot in a Rachel I'm Comey only sweater. Hot. This Rachel Comey sweater is really letting me down. I also haven't had a sip of water in a while. Oh, have a sip of I'm water. It's clean water, I swear. Ooh, Spring it looks, water. It looks beautiful. And it's because all the windows are shut because I'm trying to, you know, I'm not, since I'm not in a professional official studio, uh, you know, the sound isn't as uh-huh. protected or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, how... And Pete writes on the show as well? Or yeah. No? Yeah. Pete is like, he's an executive producer, writer. Yeah. He does everything. He, does he everything. acts. He, yeah. He makes does all, the it big, all. all the big decisions. Yeah. I was at a Ram Dass retreat with him. You were? I went to Hawaii in December. Oh my God. His beautiful wife. They're married now. Yes. Yeah. They got married. Yeah. So uh, they're so sweet. It was yeah. such a, such a, have you been to one of these Ram Dass no, retreats? I heard you talking about it though on the podcast. And I was like, I, I think you were talking about I it. I totally was. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to go. Like when I heard that. I was yeah. like, ooh, that sounds amazing. Um, yeah. But uh, my, my brain's all foggy right now. I was going to ask you. Oh, so yeah. So we were, it was a love and trust retreat in Hawaii. I met Ram Dass. It was so bizarre and also magical. But mainly I was just drinking Mai Tais in, uh, in Hawaii. But going back to crashing, um, how involved is Judd Apatow? He's, he is very involved, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Um, he comes down into the, well, I say comes down cause he, from the sky, from God, from the sky, racing. he descends onto yeah. earth. Um, no, he, yeah, he, he's there. He, um, he obviously has a very busy schedule, so he'll be out of town, but whenever he's in town, he always like comes into the room. He checks in with us. He asks us about storylines and yeah. we always run things by him. And then he gives us his opinions and that sort of sends us either in a new direction or sound, uh, down the same path we were already going. And yeah, he's, he's so good. He, he really is so good. I'm always like just in awe of the way he works and the way his mind works. And you can just like feel how experienced he is and that he's really coming from a place of like knowing how to make TV yeah. and movies. And it's really like wonderful to watch he seems like a nice cozy great guy he's such a good dude seems like he loves his wife a lot yeah great thing happening got an awesome hilarious beautiful wife ideal great kids yeah he's just like a really great dude did you watch the zen diaries of gary shanley i have yeah you saw both parts i so i went to the premiere and i i we got there late because we had date night that night so we like had to go do our show and then we arrived and um we only got to see part two so i still need to see part one I, mean, I, st- I just started watching part one but I, I was doing something else and I went this is too important to me I love Gary Shandling too much and all the people who are being interviewed but I like adore Gary Shandling and I was like I have to wait till I can be completely invested and like fully glued to the screen so yeah I'm excited to watch that I think I'm going to watch all of it again I'm going to start I think maybe tonight even I'll watch part one yeah. and then like do part two later um, do you want kids yeah I do want kids I feel like you know, it's interesting. I sort of vacillate. Like some days I'm like, ooh, I think I, I think I like want that right now. And then there are other days where I'm like, yeah, I'm not in a rush. Yeah. And I just kind of go back and forth. But I don't have a real strong need. It's yeah. not like uh, there's a hole in my life. Yeah. Where I'm like that, that hole is, needs to be filled by a child. But I also think it's like so magical and um, would add another layer to my life that I'm not even able to comprehend right now as a childless person. And that excites me. That just not knowing excites me. Yeah. But also you're so young and you're writing and then you're acting and you're married. You seem like, are you happy? I'm really happy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really good. I mean, I feel like I have to do, I feel like meditation has made me so much more happy in my life. And I started doing that about 
a year and a few months ago. And um, my friend kept telling me to do it. Like I, um, again, right. This is so funny. What do we call it? This calm before the storm thing, the Lacey Phillips the, thing, the magic dark, the magic dark. So I had my magic dark before I got cast on crashing. I was so depressed for two weeks. You were? Yeah. It was like a very like defined two week period. I woke up every morning, eyes open, tears start flowing just at an all time low of like, these are the things I want. I'm not getting them. I, I feel like nothing's happening in my career at that time. I didn't even have a day job oh, or you weren't anything. Writing on I wasn't either? writing on anything. We didn't know if crashing was getting picked up again. This is between season one and season two. And I was just at an all time low and, Oh man, what was my point in telling you this? What was the question? Sorry. Oh, I had a, I had a real, it is way too hot in my apartment. I oh, think it's magic, the Rachel Comey sweater no. is literally getting to my head. Magic dark. Oh, oh, the, oh, oh, that was it. The magic dark is that I just had this period of just everything is fucked and I'm terrible. And I meditating. We we're talking about. Yeah. Meditating. So I, I contacted my friend who had told me about meditating. Um, my friend, Sean Perlman, just like a wonderful. Yeah. I went to preschool with Jared you, Grody. Oh no, not God. Sean. Oh, but okay. Do you, but do you know okay. Jared? I do. Yes. I, and I know Sean very well. And yeah, but go on. Oh, yes. I love that. They're both so funny. They're yeah. just like, well, I don't know Jared that well, but I, I, he's very nice. Um, and I've met him a couple of times, but I love, yeah, Sean. I love Sean and I've known him a while. And so you call him, I called him. I was hysterical. I met up with him and Alice Wetterland and I just like cried to both of them so hard. And I was like, I'm never going to book any acting work. I keep getting close. Nothing's happening. Like this is, I'm just like, this is bad. And Alice gave me really great advice. She said, you have to collect your nose, which I still love to this day. Like you just need to, you're going to get people telling you no, 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 over and over and over. You have to collect those because that's what happens before you start to get yeses. So like right now you're just collecting your nose. And I was like, well, that was really helpful. And then Sean who had told me about meditating before was like, just download Headspace. I know you don't believe me, but it will help you. Everything you're saying sounds like it's coming from a really anxious place. It's going to give you clarity and stability. Just do it. So that day I went home and I downloaded Headspace. I did like the take 10 exercise, um, which I think it was just like 10 minutes a day for 10 days. And it just was like instant. I was like, oh, I don't have to suffer. Like this helps with suffering. I wish that like there was a commercial for meditating that just said like, do you want to suffer less? Like, do you want to not be a victim to your own thoughts all the time and think you're horrible just because your brain is doing this like disgusting thing to make you feel this way about yourself? Just start meditating. And I was like, okay, well, I'm sold. This literally is changing my life. And granted, it doesn't like fix all of your problems magically, but it gives you so much clarity and you just, you live such a better life. Like it just makes everything, it's like turning up like the color on your TV. It's like, everything's just like a little brighter and more saturated. I totally agree. I can't, it's, and isn't it so annoying when people keep saying you should meditate. No, you should really meditate. That part's the worst. And I I used to hear people say that and go, okay, I know. know. Me too. I know. I can't headspace. I've heard, leave me alone. I'll I'll get there. Okay. And then when I just started doing it, because I wanted to stop suffering and I was like, I just guess I hit a rock bottom where I was just suffering, suffering, suffering. And I started doing it twice a day, 15 minutes in the morning, 15 at night, or 20 in the morning, 20 at night. And even before I started noticing the difference, I would notice the difference. I couldn't believe that other people noticed the difference. They other, did? Other people went, you just seem like more still and all this stuff that people comment on it. And I went, wow, that's exciting. Wow. But also, 
and I'm only noticing this more lately, but uh, aside from the uh, relief of internal suffering, of which there's so much for everybody, me, you, everybody, we, we all know that, that feeling, but it's just like you're carving this space for yourself out inside of you. And I just know I've, I've been less reactive. Same. And it doesn't mean I'm not reactive, you know? Yeah, but it's like... Right, your, yeah. your things are still there. Still like there. your personality is still there. But it's interesting. Something can happen and I'm just like... You guys can't see me. I'm casually nodding. <laughs> just, you know, I just feel a little bit less reactive and I can just... And I can be still with another person. And you're a comedian and I am, you know, whatever it is I am, whatever the label is, but we're both used to being entertaining, filling up the silence, talking, being charming and witty and all the stuff that goes along with this whatever, this business, this life we've chosen for ourselves. Yeah. And so it isn't completely easy to be comfortable in silence. And it's such a nice thing to make friends with. So my God, yeah. I'm yeah. so I'm so with you. I totally get what you're saying. And it just shifted everything. And yeah, it's just nice to know. Like I was so I think reactive is a really great great way to describe it. I was reactive in every in every sense. Not not always like verbally, you know, like ah, like I was it wasn't that. It was just like everything upset me so much. I was so I was just so paper thin. Me too. And now I just don't feel that way. Like I, I've had like an issue with a friend for like maybe about a year now. And I just, I, I know old me would have, would have just every day been plagued by it. And now I'm, I'm deaf. It's not easy, but it is manageable. And that is like huge. Yeah. Old you, I totally know. Old yeah. me, old yeah, because I I have old me and then new me, and it's a real thing. It and, is and, real because you can see, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, uh, it is real. I mean, and it's uh, people are like, you know, it's a subtle shift. I'm like, it's not really that subtle. It's pretty drastic, pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. Thank God, it's subtle in that it takes time to sort of like let it build up in your system, essentially. Like yeah. you because you're rewiring every time you meditate. Like you're just. It's just more rewiring, more rewiring, and you have to keep reinforcing that. Yeah. But but it's pretty drastic. Like the change is drastic. I'm doing this new thing, like just just this week, where I'm trying not to say words like because I I use these words all the time, weird, uh, weird, panicked, terrified, hate, monster. Or I'll call myself a monster. I'll go. I'm terrified. I'm panic stricken, and I'll do that mm. to be like hyperbolic. Or I call myself a monster. Yeah. I think it's funny, and it's like I'm being self deprecating, and I know who I am. I don't really feel that way about myself. I'm not really panicked or terrified. I don't really think that person's a murderer, and I don't think I'm a monster. But I say them so many. I mean, I, and I just went. I think it makes my body when I say <gasps> terrified and panic. That word just gets a yeah. a fight or flight kind of like seizing up kind of feeling attached to it. Yes, and I don't want to even I don't want to do that to my body anymore. I don't want to have that associated with me. And I'm not a monster. And I don't want to pretend I'm in fear of murderers or my date is a murderer. Or we're gonna get murdered. I know I'm saying a lot right now on the podcast, but it's because I'm trying to illustrate this point. But uh, so yes, yeah, so now I'm just trying to to rid words from it's hard though i like too. that though because i think words have weight they have a lot of weight yeah and they so. definitely can affect your mood and yeah yeah i also i mean yeah i definitely use all those words a lot but i yeah i would love to try to cut did you get that from a lacy phillips exercise or you just decided to try and i don't know where eliminate I, got them. Them. I think my mom kept saying stop using those words and then i kept huh. i just kept 
I've heard from various people, maybe Lacey Phillips too, but just various people being like, I don't see you like that. Or why are you saying that? And huh. be nicer to yourself. And I'm yeah. like, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Right, right. And then it's like, who's yeah. the joke's on who? Who's the joke yeah, on? yeah. And also it's like, a, how are you painting a picture of yourself? And I don't, I don't, yes, yeah, so I'm just trying to paint a new picture, I suppose. And, I love uh, that. But uh, but now, so tell me what's next. We've spoken for an eon, and uh, I loved and I, every minute. Me too. This is a good one. I'm this is excited been about this. Juicy. <laughs> this is juice, juice, juice. I know. I'm just hoping I don't uh, delete it by accident since I'm recording it myself. I know. I am well, a little that no. Thing. It's like it's the not, Ghostbusters. It's not. It's we're fine. Oh yeah, my uh, my recording device, the Zoom, uh, looks like uh, it looks like the thing that they trap the ghosts in. Yeah. How cool. Yeah, it's um, pretty cool. What's next for you? Um, I'm writing a movie right now and, uh, I'm, I actually am going to go home and try to work on it a little bit, but yeah, I'm writing a movie that I can, um, be in, which would be great. Oh my God. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I wrote it over the holiday. Um, I kind of just like banged out a first draft and now I'm luckily in, in the phase with the production company where they're like, we love it. Like, let's just do a polish and then we're done. And I'm like, great. Oh so my God. yeah, it's been a little bit of a journey, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited. So I'm doing that. And then I have an album out. It's called, uh, I mean, it's my first stand up album. Oh my and God. Congratulations. Thank you. Where can we all find this? That's on iTunes. And uh, hopefully the movie will have more information on it soon. I hope it gets made. How did you just diligently write? I mean, like what was this? You wake up early in the morning, like to balance everything. How do you write a movie when you're trying to you know, well, I think, um, using the, uh, the winter holiday as a sort of designated time to write. I can't speak anymore. Yes, you can. It's almost over. We're landing this plane. I said, I, okay, I'm going to say it again. (laughs) I not editing that. Oh, don't, don't. (laughs) I just felt like I, I was saying the same words twice. I thought I said designated and designated. And then I was like, wait, did I say that anyways? But I, I realized that over the winter holiday was like a mandated break when like everyone's gone, everything shuts down, nobody's working. It's a time when you can truly do whatever you want. You can go on vacation, you can see family, you can stay at home, like whatever it is you need to do. So I was like, okay, I think I'm just going to make it a priority to spend these two weeks just writing this first draft because I don't see how I'll ever be able to do it. Once the new year hits, I have to do press for crashing and all this stuff's coming up. So I was like, there's just no possible time to sit down and and have that like sort of mandated break. So I uh, created a schedule for myself where I would be like, Monday, um, write pages 1 through 15, Tuesday, 15 through whatever. And I actually was like really careful about how many pages per day yeah. and like giving myself breaks. Like maybe if I wrote seven pages the day before, I would only write like three pages the next day. Um, and I went to see my family and I told them that this is what I was doing. So I would like hang out with them and then go into my old childhood bedroom and, and write and then come out and have dinner with them. Oh my God. And did you, uh, okay, so with the page, did you wake up at like six in the morning or five in the morning? Or no, just pages? Just I was pages? super, yeah, it was just about the page count. So okay. I was like, I, cause I know like, you know, a movie, you kind of know how long a, a movie is typically, yeah. especially if you're not writing like Avatar or something that, yeah. or Braveheart that needs to be three hours long. I'm writing sort of like a fun, minute. yeah, rom-com type thing. So yeah, I, uh, I was able to get that first draft and then from there. I um I just did the second draft like a week ago, turned it in, got notes, and now it's at the polish phase. How long did it take you to write that first draft though, real quick? That and first draft took me two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks, how many pages? Um, 105. 105 pages. All right. 
listen. So we know what's coming up next. Where can everybody find you on Instagram and Twitter and all the social media stuff, please? You can find you me. Oh, yes. You <laughs> can find me uh, on Twitter. I'm at the Jamie Lee, T-H-E-J-A-M-I-E-L-E-E. And on Instagram, it's really Jamie Lee. All right. No confusion to be had. <laughs> I, yeah, I actually have a story about how my Instagram account, I wanted the Jamie Lee, but someone was pretending to be me what? and they had to shut the account down. So I never got the handle. So oh I had to God. create really Jamie Lee, ah! which is why it's called really Jamie Lee. It's because there was someone pretending to be me. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Is that an exclusive I'm getting to my podcast? I think it might be. I hope so. Um... I think we're just two girls who have sat on a couch for like over two hours. My stomach is eating itself. I'm. Uh, you gotta go get some kosher I cereal, gotta, girl, or I, some turkey jerky, or some Shake Shack. Ooh, today's the day. Maybe today might be the day. Ooh, do um, it. But uh, I want to say thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I really am such a fan of this show. You really are. I love it. You had a good time. I had a great time. You like my place? Yeah, it's an oasis. <laughs> It's we're socially cozy. Oh my god, we are so. Oh my god, and it all comes back to socially cozy. Um, that's my next podcast. I'm going to start up. Uh, anyway, thank you, thank you. Bye, bye. <laughs>